It's Giants Cowboys week, and you've got Train and Tana and Dog breaking it down for you on Locked on Giants Live. That's coming your way next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of Locked On Giants Live is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Giants Live. You got Trina, Tana, and the president of the Dallas Cowboys fan club, the dog. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I the dog. The hell with Dallas. Let's go, Giants. Go. I had to dog. I mean, for those of you who haven't seen it, dog put up a video why he hates the Dallas Cowboys, and it was hilarious. You guys got to check it out if you haven't. But anyway, thank you all for joining us here on Locked On Giants Live. You, it is Giants Dallas week. We got a lot to talk about. We are psyched, guys. Are we psyched or what? I know I am. Video, video had to be done, Patty. It had to be done. I know. Giants and Cowboys. This this is the biggest <laughs> game we played in a long time. I know it's week one, but this game means a lot. Yeah. So, Got to get this W. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same thing. Super excited. Been thinking about this game since the schedule came out. Uh, you're always excited about week one, but when it's a game of this magnitude, division rival, um, you you know you're trying to build off a of last year. There's so much riding on this game. I think we all know that going into the year, like this could turn our turn. This could change the outlook of this team for many of the fans uh, if the Giants were to win this game. I think people then really start around the league to look at the Giants as a legitimate threat uh, from within the NFC Conference if they were able to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's going to be a good litmus test for this Giants team. You know, all offseason long, all summer training camp, we've been talking about how good they've looked, how, you know, more explosive the offense has the potential to be, how much more speed they have on both sides of the ball. But, you know, it's against each other for the most part. Preseason, you don't see a whole lot. Now we're going to see it. We're going to see Wink Martindale, what he came up with, with these new pieces added. We're going to see what Kafka can do with the new toys added. And uh, like you said, it's going to be a great, great, great um, litmus test for the Giants. Guys, let's start off with the offensive side of the ball. You know, I was having a conversation with uh, one of my colleagues about the game plan. And we were talking about all the new toys and the temptation to break them all out. Mm -hmm. But you look at this Dallas defense and the one area where they're still a little shaky run defense. So I'm wondering, and I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think maybe we'll see a little bit more Saquon that as opposed to, you know, more of the, the new toys, the deep downfield passing and the like? Yeah. I'd be shocked if we don't see a lot of Saquon in this game. I, I think a lot of Giants fans, are excited, as they should be, for this offense this year because we are going to open it up more this year. But when you're going up against an opponent like the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, I hate them like Bad Dog, but at the end of the day, you got to respect them, right? I mean, they have no. one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. That's the strength of this defense. They're going to get after the quarterback. They improved their corner their corner play as well this offseason. Uh, so to me, yeah, I think you have to play it somewhat close to the vest. I know that's boring. I know we want to see excitement. 
Uh, I do think the Giants will try to take shots when they feel like the opportunity is there. But I expect to see them use Saquon Barker a lot. And I expect to see Daniel Jones's legs utilized a lot in this game. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Daniel Jones goes for 80 yards on the ground on this game. I think his legs is going to be a major factor in this football game. I agree, obviously. Well, I think the Giants are going to do, though, I think they'll try to establish the run early. I, I think, you know, we've seen it. We saw it all last year with, with Dayball, Kafka, Wink. We saw the adjustments uh, at halftime. I think the Giants will come out and, and run heavy uh, the first half, or at least the first quarter, where they're going to want to establish the run because if you can get that established, then it opens up the rest of your offense. I think the Giants will have to run the ball to open up the pass game uh, as opposed to you know the pass game to open up the running game. But if you can get Saquon going, or like Chris mentioned, you get Daniel Jones running the football, that's when Darren Waller becomes huge because then these linebackers are going to, they're going to have to freeze. Like they're going to, where do we go? Do you know, do you attack Barkley? Do you attack Jones? And as soon as that, there's Waller behind, you know, in, in that open area behind the linebackers in front of the safeties. And I think that's a, I think having a guy like Darren Waller who can create separation really quickly. And I know when Chris and I did this game, Patty, where we had the one drive with the starters, Chris and I are like, whoa, that's that's what it's like to have an open receiver. <laughs> like, there's nobody around him. It's like, oh my god, look at look at how easy that was. And I think that can nullify some of the pass rush that Dallas brings because Waller can get open that quick, and Daniel Jones has a big target uh, that can beat his man in a one-on-one matchup. I do think they have to run the ball to start the game, but I would not be surprised to see them open it up a little bit more in the second half. And I, yeah, I agree with that. And I was just going to say, you know, with the questions still about the offensive line, you know, Dan Quinn's going to try and confuse the heck out of John Michael Schmitz and those young linemen. Um, And I was going to say, you know, this is maybe a way they can neutralize that and keep them playing a little bit more honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I think like Bad Dog said, I think obviously there's going to come a point in the game where they're going to try to open it up. And when they do attack the field in the past game, I think it'll be over the middle of the field. I think that's. If there's a way to attack this defense, I think in the as far as passing the ball, I think that's where you attack them. They don't have great coverage linebackers. Uh, they're better on the exterior. So I do think Waller's going to be heavily featured when they do throw uh, slot wide receivers. Perhaps if Shepard gets involved, maybe he has a decent game. Uh, we'll see. But I think they're going to attack the middle of the field early and often. And maybe that springs an opportunity for Darius Slayton on the outside on, uh, you know, one, one or two shots or a Jalen Hyatt. But I just don't expect to see tons of fireworks in this game against the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Giants hold off till week two against Arizona to really unleash yeah. what we're all hoping to see this year in terms of being able to, you know, throw the rock. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a light up the scoreboard type of thing with deep passes and stuff like that. I mean, on average, I think teams throw, you know, they, they, they attempt what about five, anywhere from five to seven, if they're really good. I don't think we're going to see that. I think it's going to be more of a ground and pound type of game. Barkley is going to be heavily featured because he can help keep them honest. And like you said, he, you know, defeat the pass rush or slow down that pass rush, open things up for other guys. I mean, gosh, how cool is it to have all these options? I feel like we finally have a complete offense for like the first time in years. It's getting there. It's getting there. It's getting close to, I, I'm not going to say complete yet, but it's getting there. Yeah. Offensive line still needs work. And I think we, we don't have like a, like a pure number one receiver. That'd be nice too, but yeah, it's definitely getting there. I mean, we accelerated the process last year. We were going through a rebuild. They retooled everything. They gutted everything. They started with the front office. They went all the way down. It was their first year here, and they didn't even have a full year to prepare. They did this year, and I thought they had an amazing 
offseason without question. But I think it's going to take more than a couple years. I think next year, and I'm not saying they can't, you know, make some noise. This they certainly can. I expect them to. Um, but I think next year, the third year, is when they have more cap space. They got these guys locked up. You know, they got Jones. They got Sexy Dexy. They got AT locked up. So I think next year you'll see them take a bigger swing. I don't know who the free agents are. I mean, I don't even want to look forward to 2024. Higgins, Ayuk, those two but, are free right, But you have some bigger name free agent wide receivers that maybe – he does bring in one, or, or maybe he does spend a lot of money on a free agent guard. Again, I haven't looked at that, and I don't know where they're going to draft because it's a big question mark. But you have your core of guys, and now you know what you're playing with, and now you can go forward and fill those other spots like the guards, maybe like a number one wide receiver, or get a little bit more depth in your secondary. Um, so these guys are awesome. Did you happen to tell Joe Shane that we were gigantic fans? <laughs> he didn't come off the podium in my direction, but believe me, I was all set to tell him that you guys love him. I'll have another opportunity though. Don't worry. I will somehow slip that into the conversation. You have my word on that. I'm going to be like, yeah, my, my two uh, live partners here absolutely love you. And I just have to pass that along. I'll probably get a kick out of that. I'm sure. All right, guys, talking about the staying with the offense for a second, the Dallas strength, that front seven, that pass mm-hmm. rush, um, the, the run defense, maybe not as much. But, but uh, if you're Mike Kafka, how are you making sure that that front seven doesn't wreck you in terms of the pass rush and in terms of the run game? You know, I, again, I don't think the run game, I, I think the Giants can win in the trenches in the run game. The pass rush is where I'm concerned. Yeah. Where do you put the help, especially not knowing that you've got potentially two healthy tight ends, mm-hmm. one of whom can block and the other one who's not really a blocker? So h- how do you kind of slow that run- rush down? It's going to be tough. I mean, the, the, the Cowboys last year had the highest pressure percentage in the NFL. So I'm going into this game with respect for this defense. It's going to be tough. But uh, the way that I think Kafka is going to try to attack it, um, one, I think you're going to try, I would try at least, to try to get, and, and it's going to be tough because you, you're also going to want need Saquon to stand and block. But I think I want to see them try to get Saquon involved a little bit in the screen game because you know that Dallas is ultra aggressive. Their, their defensive coordinator is very aggressive. So that's a way to combat that. Also, in terms of the way that they're going to throw the ball, a lot of quick throws. Get the ball out quick if you're Daniel Jones. Quick one-read throws. We have better receivers now. We have quicker receivers. We have speed. Guys that create uh, quick separation. So... I think that's got to be the game plan going in. Get the ball out as quick as you possibly can. Try to get this ground game established. Make this offense a little bit less predictable. And maybe then that's when you start to take some shots. But early on, yeah, I think you try to take advantage of their aggression maybe in the screen game um, as well as quick hitters. You know, quick one-read throws for Daniel Jones. Make it easy uh, coming out of the gate. Give him a little bit of confidence. I couldn't agree more uh, with the screen pass. I, I mean, a screen pass is designed to let those guys have free run of the quarterback, take themselves out of the play. But in order to have a successful screen game, you're going to need your linemen to pull. You need them to get out in front of Saquon. Now, I don't know if our linemen are quick enough to get out in front of Dallas, but if they can hit on a couple of those, it will. the pass rush will have to hesitate because, again, they're taking themselves out. Maybe you run some misdirection. Maybe you run one of those little jet sweeps with the Jalen Hyatt. Um, you know, a bootleg would be good. One of those naked bootlegs where you play action and roll Daniel Jones away from the flow of the rush um, and just give him one side of the field to throw on. Um, there's a lot of things. Obviously, Kafka is a very smart guy, and I think you'll see a lot of pre-snap motion, you know, try to confuse Dallas, try to get matchups. 
that the Giants feel comfortable with. So that like when like Chris said, you can get a quick hitter to a Paris Campbell or a, you know a Sterling Shepard um, or whatever. But I think that will if you can do those things early and you can kind of make that Dallas rush hesitate a little bit, that's when you can hit them for deeper plays and Daniel Jones has more time. So the Giants are definitely a lot more versatile offensively this year going against Dallas than we were last year. And I know a lot of Cowboy fans just, again, they don't really pay attention to the Giants. So they just go, oh, I mean, I've had a bunch of comments. Oh, the Giants are going to be carried by a rookie wide receiver and Darren one injury prone tight end. Well, two things. I never said Jalen Hyatt was carrying the Giants. All I said was that he's got a jetpack up his butt. Okay, the guy can fly. We haven't had that type of speed. He can stretch defense. Darren Waller's not hurt. So what are you talking about? He's healthy going into this game. So you better worry about him. Um, Haters, haters, haters. Haters are going to hate. You know, you guys brought up a point. I want to ask you about this. You you mentioned the possibility of a screen game, and you want to have athletic athletic offensive linemen who can pull. So does that lend itself to the rotation with Bredesen and Azudu at left guard? I think uh, if I remember correctly, Azudu is a little bit more athletic and can maybe pull a little bit better. So is that a possibility? And then the other flip side, you mentioned, you know, Saquon maybe getting involved in some blocking there. Do you really want to see that? Or you want to see Saquon stay fresh? You know, I mean, I I would want to personally see his blocking duties minimized if they could do it. I mean, I I would in an ideal world. Yeah, I I, I would. Um, But I think we're going to need as much protection as we could get in this game. So I think blocking is going to be a they're they're going to ask Saquon to block at times in this game. I want them to get him involved in the past game as well, though. But I think they're going to need some max protection for sure. We'll see. Um, I definitely am giving this Dallas team uh, some respect, though. That's for damn sure. But um, to go, what was what was the first question about I, I, I the offensive to... line rotation? Mentioned, oh, you mentioned yeah, yeah. I know. We, I know we did that a little bit last year, Patty. And I get your point because yes, Azudu does project to be a little bit more athletic than the other guards that we have on this team. I'm not a fan of the musical chairs. I, I'm yeah, just not. Um, we saw Judge do it. Like I said, we sampled with it last year, too. How do you build cohesion with an offensive line if you're constantly subbing guys in and out? So for me, you pick the line, stick with it. See how these guys do the first three, four, five weeks. If you feel like you need to make changes after that, by all means. But you got a rookie center there, you know? You don't want to mm. be messing with his head either, right? right. Yep. He, he's True. getting used to playing next to these guys. His first game in the NFL – and you're going to be subbing in and out of Zudu. I know people have talked about that being a possibility. I hope the Giants don't do that. I'm with you. I'm definitely with you on that. And uh, look, before we continue on, I just want to give a shout out to Manny Festos, INS, who uh, put, posted a comment. He said, me and the newborn laying in bed watching the trifecta. Manny, congratulations on the newborn, my friend. That's, That's awesome. awesome. That is awesome. awesome. Thanks so much for uh, for tuning in with the newborn. Hope you're, you're you're training him or her to become a giant fan. You know, I, I, I do I it trained, right I've trained mine, as we know. Teach him to say Dallas. If he, if he tips, this ass dog, he can give me some tips on how to. <laughs> right, know, you, I, I'm, I'm teaching mine well. You hear him. He comes down. He lets you know the Giants are. I'm sorry. He lets you know go Giants. He lets you know that the Eagles and Cowboys stink. Yes, he does. And he does it adorably, too. Unlike his dad, who really gets it. Well, give him 40 years, Patty, and (laughs) see where he is. He'll he'll be snarling and growling just like you would. That's right. I won't even take that long. I think I was like this about the time I was 16. The venom, the vet. Well, no, we don't rush young. him. Don't rush him, really? dog. You're gonna want. You're gonna want him to stay. Like I, I hated Philly since I can remember. Like I, 
I always Buddy Ryan. I, I oh, hated oh, tell God. me about it. So tell me maybe about fifth grade, it. I started to have <laughs> this attitude towards <laughs> the Eagles and Cowboys. I don't know. Oh man! But all right, guys, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. Wink's got speed. Wink's got options. Wink's got tools. Yeah. How do you see this kind of playing out to best optimize? Uh, what they can do, keeping in mind that Dak Prescott the last two years has been a turnover machine and had some ball security issues, um, which I don't think it talked about enough. Everybody talks about Daniel Jones being a turnover machine. Dak Prescott the last two years, I think he's had something like 18 interceptions. I mean, Patty, a a dozen over a dozen, you know, fumbles and stuff in 17 games last year. Our defense had six interceptions, two of them came against Dak in one game. Dak had 22 interceptions, or not 20, I'm sorry, he led the league in interceptions, and he missed five games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do I do think there's going to be opportunities. Um, the thing I'm most excited about to see in this game uh, for the new, obviously we're all excited about the pass rush. We're all excited to see what they're going to do with Simmons and Aziz now being healthy with Kayvon. We didn't get to see that a lot last year. But the thing I'm most excited about to see, because I think it's a really good litmus test, because Dallas can run the ball. The thing that we were most concerned with going into the year, or at least what I think the focal point was in terms of where they really tried to improve upon this offseason was the run defense. Last year, we gave up 5.2 yards of carry on the ground. It was the second worst in the NFL. You add a Bobby Okereke. You add depth on that defensive line. That's what I'm excited about. I think it's a really good litmus test uh, to see how far we've come uh, in that department on the defensive side of the football. (laughs) And if we're able to make Dallas more one-dimensional, that's going to lend itself to more turnovers. So to me, we, you know, we talk about getting pressure on the quarterback. That goes, I want, that's football one-on-one. You need to do that. But I think what will create opportunities to be able to get more pressure on the quarterback is making them more predictable. And it starts up front and being able to defend the run, something we struggled with mightily last year. So that's something I got my eyes on in this game. No doubt about it. We got to be able to contain Tony Pollard. Last year, the Cowboys in both of those games, even though they were close, I mean, we were winning that game at halftime on Thanksgiving, which we had no business even being in that game. And every freaking player, every key player was hurt. And I don't think Hodgins was even on the team at that point, uh, but everybody was hurt. It was a short week. We, we didn't have a Dory Jackson. We didn't have Daniel Bellinger. I mean, we had nobody. We didn't have Wandale Robinson. We didn't have Sterling Shepard. We didn't have, we had nobody. He was throwing to literally Tanner Hudson, for crying out loud. Um, I mean, and we were winning that game at halftime. And in the first game, um, it was very close, and we actually had a chance to uh, win it at the end. Um, but it was did for granted we had like forty seconds. But I mean, we, it was a one possession game, and Dallas dominated, dominated both sides of the line of scrimmage. If we can just play them even up front, we're going to win this game oh, without yeah. question. That's yeah. where the Giants have to be. They can't get dominated. They just have to play them even. The Giants, I don't think, need to dominate up front. They just need to play this team even. And I think that our – I mean, listen, I'll take our coach over Mike McCarthy any day. I'll take our game plan. They are very smart. We know this. We know what they do. We know the adjustments that they make. And, you know, our talent, it's – Dallas has a lot of – I mean, they have a lot of talented players. They're going to sit here and say they don't have any talent because they do. I mean, they've been a formidable opponent. They've won more than 10 games. I don't know how many years – the last couple anyway. I know they were six and whatever they were in 2020. They, they're banged up. But – or five and eleven, whatever they were, uh, but we just we have to match up at the line of scrimmage. We we do that, we're in really good shape because the offensive weapons are much better than they were 
and you know they don't have Zeke anymore. I know Zeke kind of wasn't what he was, but the guy's a bowling ball, and when it's third and two, you give the ball to Zeke, you're probably going to get it. I don't know if you got that with Tony Pollard, so that's yeah. something else to miss too. Yeah, I was going to say that you know, Tana, you said the Dallas could run the ball. I don't think I, I just get the impression, you know, now with Mike McCarthy calling the plays, they're going to go more to the pass. You know, they got Brandon Cooks, who I don't think we're talking enough about and need He's to dangerous. be. You know, because yeah. everybody's talking about, oh, C.D. Lamb versus Dory Jackson in the slot. I think we got to talk about Brandon Cooks and what he brings to that Dallas uh, offense. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, Cooks is one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. You talk about, you know, throughout the course of his career, and it's because he's bounced around from team to team to team to team. But the guys are walking, talking thousand yards, and it, it doesn't matter who's throwing him the football. He's played with guys like Brian Hoyer. He's putting up a thousand yards. So. I have respect for Brandon Cooks. I know he's a bit older, and I know he's not coming up with the best years last year, but he's still a guy that possesses a lot of speed. He's still a guy that create, could create a huge play in this game, and that, that's something that we cannot afford. Um, you know, I, I do expect them to be able to move the ball. We got rookie corners out there, right? Trey Hawkins, Deontay Banks, that's got to be a major concern going into this game. We're all excited to, to see the Banks closed on Sunday, but he's a rookie, um, and who knows what you got with Trey Hawkins. He's a six-round pick. He's been encouraging. But he's a rookie. He played at Old Dominion last year. So they're going to test those guys. Oh, and they're yeah. going to test them early and often. What I think the Giants are going to do, and I said this in my stream the other day, I think you're putting banks on Cooks. I think it's speed versus speed. Um, that's what I think they're going to do. And I think it's a good first matchup for him. I think he's going to be able to hold his own. But Cooks will probably hit a big player, too. He's a veteran. Uh, he's dangerous. There's no doubt about it. I'm definitely worried about Cooks. Yeah. Yeah, I am, too. But I, I, I kind of like that idea. You know, you put Jackson on C.D. Lamb. And you had them, you, you mixed them up because I'm sure Dallas is going to move those guys around and you just, you just counter, I would think, you know, wherever you can. Um, and then, you know, we mentioned Isaiah Simmons. I suspect right. he's going to be used primarily as a pass rusher in this game. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be, a, he's going to start the game. And by the way, starting, you know, I know that de- the unofficial depth chart came out the other day and it's unofficial. The PR staff puts it together, folks. It's not based on the coaches input or anything like that it's based on kind of what we see in practice but you know starting the starter is such an overrated thing in the football because a guy could start play the very first play of the game and then you don't see him very much the rest of the game so it really doesn't mean anything that being said do you guys see a big role for Isaiah Simmons in this game I think it'll be situational Uh, like Chris said I, I think he'll be for me because you know he's he's new so he's still adapting to Wink's system. And I don't think they're going to make it too complex for him. I think Chris is right. I think on passing downs, he's going to come. He's just going to be – I mean, he'll do a little bit of other things. But I think we'll use him strictly as a pass rusher or maybe even a decoy. I mean, he may fake like he's blitzing a blitz may come from the other side. We know Wink likes to be creative with his blitzes. It may come from the safety. It may come from the corner. You may use him as a decoy. Like you might bring Simmons in there and have him blitz three times in a row. Then Dallas says, oh, okay, he's coming here, and he brings it from somewhere else. I can't see Simmons being really involved in, like, pass coverage um, early on. But run blitzes, pass pass rushes, I think that'll be mostly what he does. But I think he'll line up all over the field. I don't think he'll just line up on the left or right side. I think he'll be come from everywhere. I think Wink wants to use him like that. I think even Wink said he's a perfect player for me because he doesn't have a position. Yeah. Um, so I'm pumped up about Isaiah Simmons. I oh, he's a great fit. oh, yeah, he's a great fit for the scheme. Uh, but I, yeah, I agree. I, I, he's gonna have a role like he's going to play, but I would be surprised if he plays maybe more than 30% of the snaps. I don't think he's gonna have it like, I don't think he's gonna get starters reps. 
Yeah. I mean, the guy just got here. He, he's not familiar with the playbook. Um, I but there, I do think they're going to have a plan for him on obvious pass rush situations. You bring him in for, I guess, like a uh, it's kind of like a NASCAR package. You get an extra pass rusher, athletic player on the field uh, at the same time. So that's where I see him being implemented in this game. Obvious right. third and long situations. When it's third and short, you probably go with the more traditional McFadden uh, to try to stop the run. Uh, Simmons is not really your prototypical inside linebacker, but on third and medium and long, yeah, I think Simmons will see the field. Yeah. You know, what I want to bring up real quick uh, with Dallas's passing game, you know, every time we've seen to play Dallas, we went against a really good tight end. Jason Witten, Dalton Show, whoever it was. They don't have those guys. They're guys, what, Peyton Hendershot? Like, they, they – that to me, that's a big deal. That Dallas really doesn't have that threat in a passing in the tight end. Like Dak has always had that, and that is something that Daniel Jones has never had, yeah. where they can be a safety blanket for a quarterback when he's getting rushed. I, I think that's a big thing that a lot of Cowboys fans seem to overlook because, well, we got Brandon Cooks, and yeah, that's great, but there's no more Dalton. There's no more of those tight ends where it's like, God, you got to pay attention, Jason Witten. Lord knows he, he got like 20. Ferguson? Do they have a guy named Ferguson? And Undershot? Ferguson, yeah. Ferguson's the tight end. Yeah, one of the tight ends. Yeah. But, it's, but, it's but like that, they don't have they don't have Jason Witten. But not not on a Jason Witten. Well, nobody's yeah. like Jason Not Whitten. even Dalton Schultz. I mean, it's yeah. I, I think it's a big loss for Dallas that they don't want to talk about. But I think the tight end, especially in today's game, is, is very important in the passing game. It's going to help us out a lot. I mean, if if that one drive against Carolina was any indicator of the way we're going to be able to move the ball, and again, that's one drive, so they're not going to do that every time, but just seeing Waller's separation and the mismatches mm-hmm. that he can cause uh, in the middle of the field, Daniel Jones has to be happy. Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Jones got oh, Daniel yeah. Jones probably did that too. Drop back on, oh, my God. Why <laughs> you hesitated? Is, am I seeing this for real? Is that a mirage? Uh, so well, let's hope he doesn't sit there in awe too often. You know, no, he, he won't now. I'm just saying the first time he's like, Well, that, that my guys are open, like it's open, and then you saw that allowed. You know, that's what we always say in the press box. Everybody, like, went, with, um, everybody went with Waller down in the, inside the five, and he's like, yeah, There's Dan Bellinger wide yeah, open. Speaking more to Bad Dog's tight end point, I agree with him. They don't have that prototypical tight end that we used to have to really worry about when we went up against them. But an area where I think we'll, they will try to supplement that and try to create mismatches, their running backs, Vaughn specifically. You want to talk about a little squirt that I could see killing us in the passing game with mismatches. Tony Pollard, same thing. So that's something I fear. I guess that kind of substitutes for the traditional tight end look from the Dallas Cowboys. I fear their pass catchers coming out of the backfield. Um, and what I expect Wink to do, you're probably going to spy those guys maybe with a player like a McKinney um, because that to me is their – third best option in the pass game is those guys coming out of the backfield. That's what I, that's a big worry for me in this game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how he use it now. I, I saw somebody ask about Boogie Basham and how they might use him. I think he's going to be situational. I mean, probably have a handful of plays because like Simmons, he's still kind of learning the playbook, still trying to yeah. find that role that, um, you know, defensively what you know wink usually goes with with two guys on the on the line you know two pure defensive linemen boogie can play with his hand in the dirt i don't think we'll see him with his hand in the dirt he could stay he could be an outside linebacker so he's going to probably just be you know 
I don't expect to see him with a lot of snaps. I'd be surprised. I think Simmons will probably have more snaps than him. But guys, you know, the one thing I got to talk about, and I brought this, this point up on Giants Country when the injury report came out. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you guys saw the injury report. For those of you who didn't see it, everybody practiced, but there were some guys that were limited. So you had Gary Brightwell, Cam Brown, Lawrence Cager, DJ Davidson, Cordell Flood, Gervarius Owens, and Wandell Robinson, all listed as limited. Do you see a common thread with that group? And if you don't, I'll tell you what I'm seeing. And Special what I'm, teams. What I'm, yeah, yes. Special teams. Brightwell's a core guy. Cam Brown is a core guy. Cager is a core guy. I think they wanted Owens to be, you know, on, on special teams. Um, I'm not sure if they wanted Flott to be there. So that's potentially, what, four guys from special yeah. teams that may or may not be able to play. I'm telling you now, I'd be stunned if come Saturday when they do their standard practice squad elevations, I'm willing to bet it's going to be Taiwan Jones and Cam Sims that they bring Ooh, up. That's a good call by you. I like if, that call these, by you. If these four guys can't go. That's a good call by you. Uh, they with, with got, Jones. Special teams has been terrible. Yeah, because Taiwan Jones. The coverage units, my God. Taiwan Jones just feels like a natural replacement for Gary Brightwell if he's yep. not able to play. And he is a special teamer. Cam Sims is a special teamer. And yep. Thomas McGahee today was asked about those guys. And I said, and right off the bat, I said to myself, okay, when I saw the injury report, I said, they're going to beef up special teams because they cannot afford to give Dallas short fields. Right. Got to pin those those guys back. Got to be and, disciplined too in this game. Cannot have stupid penalties. Like you cannot, mm-hmm. you can't give up the, we have to win that battle of this game. The the hidden yardage, the penalty yardage, the the special teams yardage. We, we have to, because let's be honest, they're more talented than us. They are. We're a better coach team, but we have to be more disciplined if we're going to win this game. There's no doubt about it. So oh, no question. Yeah. No question. Discipline is going to be key. Um, you know, let me swing back to Saquon a little bit here because a question popped up. Is there a concern that Saquon will be rusty because he got no preseason snaps? I'm not worried about it because they, you know, they he got a fair share of snaps in a controlled environment. That's what you want. I mean, did you really want to expose Saquon to the to the pounding? Ooh, the I, I missed I missed that. Who said that? No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying I got that question. This wasn't on the chat. It oh. Was, somebody had mentioned it to me uh, in, in passing on Twitter. Or, oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. Things. So I wanted Saquon to barely play. He never plays in the preseason. No. Exactly. I, I, I think I think that's like, you know, don't worry about that. Saquon, look. Practices. You know, so, I mean, you know, you want to keep him fresh. He's had injury problems. I mean, you don't want him taking a beating. Right. We're going to rely on him heavily again this year. I mean, that's you know he's our best offensive player, so you're going to rely on him. He's going to he's going to have a lot to do with the success of our offense. So the less hits he can take, uh, the better off he's going to be. So Saquon Barkley knows it's not like they're asking Saquon Barkley to do a bunch of extravagant stuff and he doesn't know the playbook and he's learning it. Um, you know, or he, it's not like he came in uh, you know midway through training camp and needed to get some get some reps so i'm not worried about him not getting a snap. i said that he wasn't yeah, gonna i'm not shit. worried about that either I, I don't think any of us thought that he was gonna play a snap in the no, uh i didn't i mean right off the bat as soon as he, he settled his contract i'm like okay 
He came in, he had his presser. I expected a, a quiet preseason for him. Today was the first time he's spoken since. I, he and I liked what he had to say too. And I, I like what he had to say. Exactly. I mean, you know, guys, I don't think you have to worry about Saquon. And you know what? I like the fact that they have all these other weapons to now Saquon doesn't have to exclusively be I keep be the saying offense. it, Patty. I keep saying All of a sudden, people are forgetting about Saquon. All of a sudden, all eyes aren't on Saquon. You, you think about how lethal that running attack was between Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley last year. Now you got to worry about Darren Waller. That enhances everything. And people talked about how last year, and Barkley was a dog last year. Like, he ran as hard as I've ever seen Saquon Barkley run. And the first half of that season, he put the team on his back. He was incredible last year. But we didn't see as many vintage, explosive plays from Saquon. And people started to hint last year, did he lose a step? Maybe a half a step. But when you had a guy like Darren Waller now, you're going to see more of those explosive plays, I believe, from Saquon Barkley this year. And as I've said on, on previous shows, I think less is more. We're not going to run him into the ground like we did last year over the first half of the season. It's going to be a little bit more balanced. He's going to be a little bit more fresh. He'll get some. He'll get less touches, but he's going to do more with the touches that he's given. I think Barkley's going to have a lot of 20-yard runs this year. He's going to have a lot of big plays. Yeah, because they can't – if they do, like you said, if they do stack the box, if they do focus on Saquon, there's a lot of other – Places Daniel Jones can go with the ball. He's not going to Richie James and Tanner Hudson and Marcus Johnson. This is a different group of guys. Saquon was a dog, baby. Let's go. That's the way he goes. <laughs> Jason Dominguez did hit a homer Yankee fans. I got the Yankee game on. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Giants offense is a lot more versatile. It's a lot more balanced. Still needs work. Saquon's still our guy. But and you're not going to have to – like Chris said, you're not going to have to run him into the ground. You don't have to rush him 30 times a game. Right. And defenses are going to have to play the Giants a little bit more honest. Um, at first, they might not. And if they don't, that's when these guys got to get open. That's when Daniel Jones is going to make them pay. And then that opens things up for Saquon. They all work off one another. But I am anxious to see exactly what Kafka and Dable's game plan is for Dallas. Um, right. Maybe they do come out. Maybe they come out and they are really aggressive passing the ball at the beginning. because Dallas. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I could see a drive similar – to the preseason, not that they're going to throw every play, right. but a drive similar to what we saw with the preseason. Because if you go back and watch that drive that we had, everything was quick. Daniel yep. Jones, first pass to Waller, six yards, bang. Quick slant over the middle. So that's the type of passes I envision them trying to implement against the Dallas Cowboys. So I could see them having a first drive where they're a little bit aggressive. Um, but we can't get a, too far away from the ground game with Saquon Barkley. You want to keep that defense fresh so they could close out the game against Dallas. And let's be honest, you got to worry about these rookie corners going into this game. So the the less exposure that they get, the better. So I think it's important to at least try to match them in the time of possession. So I want to see a balanced offense in this game. And then don't forget, you know, you'll probably see Breida get a few touches, but don't forget Paris Campbell worked out of the backfield. I love Paris Campbell. You know that. Yeah. I mean, so you talk about versatility. That's an option. Maybe you see him on a jet sweep or, you know, a toss or something like that. They did work on that during training camp. So, you know, it doesn't have to be the Saquon show. And I, for one, am glad because they're going to need Saquon for 17 games this year. Plus, hopefully, 17 plus, we hope. Fingers crossed. He's our guy. Um, He's our guy. He's still our guy. Right. I mean, so he's still going to be a big part of this offense but like you said, don't run the guy into the ground. Don't have him do the pass blocking. Don't have him do the blitz pickup and all that stuff. Pick your spots with him and use him more um, sparingly at certain spots where you know he's going to take that pounding 
And I think, you know, the guys that they've added, Paris Campbell, even though he's a receiver, you know, like I said, he could still work out of the backfield. Having Matt Breida, I don't know how much we're going to see from Eric Gray on offense. I'm not sure we're going to see a whole lot from him. Um, Daniel Bellinger Bellinger can function out of the backfield as as a fullback. Don't forget about Daniel Bellinger. Don't forget about him. We're not talking about him either. And that's somebody we should also be talking about. So the Giants have some options that they can put in the backfield. And, you know, and not necessarily have to lean on Saquon for the entire game. Am I crazy to think, Patty, and I said it a couple weeks ago, I, I kind of hope they, 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 they have four tight ends for this game because I'm thinking about this game. I'd like to have that extra tight end. I'd like to have some three tight end sets where you have an H-back uh, in this game. I, I want them to call up an extra tight end for this game. Am I crazy to think that they should do that? I don't think he's crazy, but I think special teams is going to – it's, it's going to dictate the guys that they but, call. But that being said, again, Kadrew's got the ankle injury. If he can't go, and I talked to him the other day, and he he's like, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. But they all say that. I mean, what do you expect him to say? I think you almost have to bring up another tight end. Yeah. But, again, for special teams, you have to make sure that whoever you bring up is also going to be able to help you on specials because that's the unit right now where I would say I, I'm most concerned next to offensive line and, you know, how that unit's going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm so excited for this game. I can't stop thinking about it. I know. I mean, it's going to be a great one. All right. Listen, everybody, let me take a quick commercial break. Um, then when we come back, we'll talk some more about the game. We'll start taking your questions, pop your questions into the chat box and we will, uh, We'll scatter them throughout the show. So we'll be right back after this. Hey, Giant fans, did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months of taking Nutrafol's men hairs growth supplements. So go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair health wellness quiz. Identify causes of your thinning hair and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health throughout the whole body wellness. And for a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off their first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. That's Nutrafol.com slash men. And that's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men. And that promo code is locked on NFL. Hey, Giant fans. Thanks again for making the Locked On Giants podcast your first listen every day. The Locked On Ultimate NFL Season Preview is here. And this seven-episode extravaganza brings opinions, analysis, and plenty of debate from all 32 of our Locked On NFL hosts with added insights from our national experts. It's a can't-miss series before the season kicks off. 
Catch every episode on Locked On NFL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Giants Live. Trina Tana and Dog, Dog, the president of the Dallas Cowboys fan club. Dog, <laughs> if you haven't seen that video, check it out. Why he hates Dallas. And Dog, <laughs> I could not agree with you more on some of the points you raise. I mean... I t- I get offended when I hear America's team. I'm like, last I check, I'm part of America or I'm American. They're not my team. So how should I, they I'm be? Sorry. Had to be done, man. It had to be done. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I just don't like that that nickname at all. I think that's that's kind of um, what's the word I want? That, that, Pretentious. Obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. Pretentious. <laughs> that was another good one. Yeah. Yeah, those words all fit. I I think think that was my first reason why I I couldn't stand them. And and again, I I just, you know, Cowboys fans are like, oh, the Giants aren't relevant. We've been relevant. Like, what what is relevant? Like, you guys, for America's team and all the winning that they do over there, now they're bragging about beating teams in the NFC East. Like, regular season wins is becoming their bragging point. And and like I mentioned in the video, they lost a lot more big games than they won. I mean, they were yeah, two and three. They, they, the Super Bowl, they couldn't even watch it in HD. Right. I, I put that on Twitter. I, I said something about that, and I was like, yeah, I got a VHS of Super Bowl 30 for sale. <laughs> I put that on Twitter. Today. Oh, goodness. So, oh, I'm on Twitter all over now because it's football season. I'm oh, breaking man. in. I can tell you what, if we lose. You guys are going to – I'll tell you what, if, if, if the – when the Giants beat Dallas, let's say right. when we won't I say love it. if. I love it. All right, dog, your your channel is going to be must see TV. <laughs> it's going to be must. We beat Philly, then you really. And by the way, on my bold predictions show that I did uh, earlier this week, I have the Giants splitting this year with Dallas and Philly. I believe that that is possible. I agree. I with feel you. that good about this team. Cool. I do too. I agree with you. There's I mean, no reason Dallas, to think it's, it's Dallas over the last 12 games. I think the Giants are one in 11 against the Cowboys. And this goes back to, I, I want to say 2017. Yeah. It's time that this, ter- that the, the tide turn in the favor of the Giants. So, you know, I, I I'm just like really looking forward to. Yeah. I, 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 I said they, it in my stream last year. Um, last year, Dable set trends too. Like going into last year, the Giants hadn't had, a day over 500 since 2016. Last year, we didn't mm-hmm. spend a day under 500. Mm-hmm. This year, it's time to start setting trends from within the division. Uh, we haven't be- we haven't beaten Dak since his rookie year. That needs to change, like you just said. Um, and of the two games we played Dallas, this is clearly, I mean, you can't predict with injuries, but before the year starts, this is clearly the better mm-hmm. opportunity. The first game of the year, we have the better coaching staff, more time to prepare. At it's home. at home. Uh, we're yeah. healthy. So right. for for me, this this is the game. If we're going to pick Dallas off, this is the one to do it. Absolutely, and and every game that they win against division opponents, it's like an extra half game yep. because of the you know the potential tiebreaker. But more importantly, you know, a lot of people say to me, "Well, what would you consider progress being made by this team?" Yes, I'd like to see double digit wins, which I also think is feasible. But to me, beat the division teams or at least split with them. You know, be split with Dallas, split with with Philly, and oh, if you could sweep one of them, even better. You know, a lot of people are like, well, "What about Washington?" I think they should be able to handle Washington. I'm still not sure about Washington's, you know, quarterback situation and how that's going to play out. Well, line there with Washington. Uh, I mean, I don't know what Sam Howell is. What I do know is that you look at this division alone, and you look at the defenses in this division. 
Dallas's defense is brutal. The Giants' defense is brutal anyway, and now we got a lot more speed and athleticism. You look at Philadelphia's defense, they led the league in sacks. That's just this defense alone. He's a rookie for all intents and purposes. And then you play teams like San Francisco, Buffalo, mm. Jets. I don't know what Washington's going to be either. But uh, Sam Howell's either going to be – if he can get through this year without getting killed – he could be a really good quarterback, but this, this is a big test for him. So Yeah, and, and you know, they've got the new offensive coordinator and Eric Bieniemy down there in Washington. So let's see how it all kind of, you know, plays out for them a little bit. Now, I did see in the chat, the chat there, uh, a couple of people were discussing trading for Mike Evans. Uh, Folks, I don't see it happening. Evans is on the wrong side of 30. He would cost them a lot. Right now they have about, I, I want to say, just over a million in cap space last I checked. It's not happening. And, and somebody said, well, they've got to trade for a number one receiver at some point. No, they don't. Patty. They Patty. don't. I, 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 people ask me, uh, you know, mid-season last year, who were some wide receivers that you could see the Giants potentially targeting going into this year? And I did bring up Evans because I looked at Tampa Bay. I saw that Brady was retiring probably and that they were going to shuffle it up. But we already added Evans. We added Darren Waller. That was exactly. our Evans pickup. Uh, when I said that, Evan uh, Waller wasn't on the roster. So I thought that Shane may dabble a little bit. He may trade for a guy that's a one- or two-year stopgap. That's what Waller is. He's not going to give up more draft capital for a one- or two-year stopgap and commit more future cap space to a player that's on the wrong side of 30. It's not yeah. going to happen. It's not in the best intentions of this football team. You got your stopgap. Hopefully, Waller's going to be great here for the next two or three years. But they're building this team from the ground up. They're building through the draft. If they're going to make a trade for a receiver, it's going to be a 25, 26-year-old. It's not going to be a guy who's 30. More often than not, when those guys get extensions, it does not work out. Go see Julio Jones, right? So, for me, stay away from that. I don't need – Evans is a great receiver. He's probably, he's going to the Hall of Fame. One of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. He's caught for over 1,000 yards every year since he's been in the league. Eight 1,000-yard seasons. He's, I think he's nine. like nine, yeah. whatever. He's been fantastic. But I don't want him. I, I, I Wait till next yeah. year to, to, to get your number one wide receiver. Yeah, and, and not- so I, I made a video on that. Reason being, Joe Shane will call. I mean, they already said he, he said in his press conference he'll call. He'll see what's available. And listen, I don't think Mike Evans is going to be a giant. But if the right deal approach, like if Joe Shane feels like, hey, you know, we can make a run of this thing, and it doesn't have to be happen now. Yeah, because I don't know what Mike Evans is going to do. But if he feels if somebody gets hurt and the Giants are really good, and he says, you know what, they want a six round pick, I'm going to bring in Mike Evans. The other thing is, and again, I don't want to give Mike Evans a big contract because he is getting older. And that's what and, he's going to require. Right. But, I mean, it's, like I said, whatever Joe Shane does, I, I trust in him. I don't think that Mike Evans would be a giant. However, there are a lot of wide receivers on this team that are here for one year and one year on Paris Campbell. It might as well be Darius Slayton. They could get rid of him after a year. Um, who's the other guy? You know, um, Sterling Shepard's here on a one year. So there's going to be a lot of open space for a wide receiver um, next year. And draft. I don't know why. What's that? You draft and you maybe dip into free yeah. agency. But that, right that's now, what I mean. So I don't, I don't know exactly. If he really wanted Mike Evans, he would figure it out. And if he didn't, right. there's no reason for him not to let well, him I mean, agency and then go after him if that's I what mean, he wants. I mean, here's the other thing. And I, and I asked this of, of Shane in his press. Matter of fact, I think I had the first question in that one. I you said, did. how do you bet? Did I? I yeah, because I did a, I did a uh, reaction to it, and I was like, oh, "Patty got the first question." Yeah, 
Yes, I did. I, I I jumped in there before everybody else. But I asked Shane, I said, how do you balance, you know, deciding whether to trade for a guy? Because, you know, draft assets are very valuable. They just gave up a sixth to Buffalo to get Boogie Basham. But they got back a seventh, the seventh that they traded away for, for Isaiah Simmons. And I'm like, you look at what Shane's doing, you know, in the past, he wanted to accumulate draft picks. He yeah. hasn't been doing that. He's kind of been trading them away for other little pieces so I was curious as to what went into that process. And of course, you know, he said, well, we have a process where we talk about this, that, and the other thing, and we, and we consider age, contract, performance, needs, yada, yada, yada. And it's just interesting because he's kind of, it's like last year, it's like, okay, let's lay down the foundation, which they did. Mm-hmm. And now they're kind of supplementing it by, okay, we're, we're going to give away some assets because maybe they feel they don't need as many draft picks next year. Maybe they feel, okay, you know what? We're monitoring who might hit free agency. Maybe we're going to have a better cap situation. We got guys that are locked up that we wanted to lock yeah. up, you know, like Thomas and Dexter and so on and so forth. Uh, so maybe they're thinking to themselves, okay, we just need a few more from the draft, but maybe we can supplement a number one receiver through free agency. Maybe we can supplement maybe an offensive guard through free agency or what, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the position might be. So maybe yeah. that's what they're thinking. And the other thing, Patty, because we didn't benefit, well, we didn't benefit from it this year because we resigned a lot of our players, Slayton Jones. But he, you know, we're trading draft picks. He's got a lot of comp picks on deck. We're gonna lose Adore Jackson next year. We're gonna lose Leonard Williams next year. Mm-hmm. Um, we may lose McKinney next year. I hope not. I love him, but those guys are guys that may potentially lose. And with that, you will get compensation picks. So there's but always, not to the following year. Though. Not to the following year, but but still. Shane is Shane has tools to be able to continue to build through the draft. Um, and you see that he's building it from the ground up, but I don't see him making a trade like that. Do I think he'd be open to a trade if the right player was available? Yeah. I just happen to think Mike Evans is not the right player. Now, yeah. if I felt we were, we were going to win a Super Bowl if we added Mike Evans this year, have at it. And maybe the Giants get to that point. Maybe they're like eight and one. And they're incredible. And then they say, let's get Evans to put ourselves over the top. So I, I can't speak for how I'll feel at the trade deadline. But right now, I don't think it makes any sense. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, 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 if they're one player away, which I don't think they are. I don't either. Just I don't either. Otherwise, not I'd be found the table for them. Right. And, and then the other thing is, is, you know, maybe Hyatt can develop into your number one receiver at some point. You know, I don't think he's going to be, you know, have, have as many – targets as, as I think a lot of people are anticipating, at least not in the beginning of the year. Uh, so you just don't know. I mean, maybe you've got your number one receiver under your nose, you know, and now that it's year two of the same system, they can play faster, you know, maybe they step up and now that they can, you know, be more explosive, maybe that guy just, just steps up and say, Hey, here I was all along. I'm the, I'm your number one receiver. And I'm not just talking about, you know, Darren Waller, who I know is the number one receiver, I'm talking from the wide receiver group. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Another thing I saw in the chat group, people are like, why not just go out and sign Justin Pugh and shore up the offensive line? Look, guys, I like Justin Pugh, always have. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe he's coming off of a, is it a knee injury, an ACL? Did he have, what did he have? I think it was a knee injury. Actually, good question. He's also, you know, wrong side of 30. I would like for the offensive line, ideally, to be young and kind of just gel together. And I think that's the direction they want to go with 
with that offensive line. I'm not saying Justin Pugh couldn't be a nice addition as a depth piece, but I don't know if I would sign him necessarily to be a starter because, look, the only way Evan Neal is going to get better is to get snaps for him. Yeah. That's the only, and, it's, and that's why, you know, the possibility of a, of a rotation with Azudu and Bredesen at left guard still exists. you got to get these guys snaps. That's the only way they're going to get better. And I, I just, I don't know, Pew, I, I don't know how much more he has to give, to be honest with you. I mean, great guy, great locker room presence, leader, everything you could ask for. But I just think maybe that ship might have sailed already. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, to me, you're at this. It, I, I said it like two weeks ago when people started bringing up Pew. I'm completely fine with adding more linemen. We need all the help we could get. But at this st- stage in the game, we talk about cohesions on the offensive line. You're not signing a lineman at this point and, you're just, and throwing them into the starting lineup. That's that's not going to happen. You're you're going to go. You're going to go with the guys you've been building with in training camp, and you're going to go in. And you're going to. This is for the first time in a long time, Patty that we've basically, outside of the rookie that we drafted, brought back the same offensive line as from last year, which is a good thing that you're going to see growth, you figure, because of that. The Giants in years past, they would always shut. Maybe they bring back two guys. And outside of that, you'd, you'd always have a new cast of characters. So I don't see them going out there and signing Pew or anybody else the day or the week of the, the start of the season and just throwing them into the starting lineup. So uh, if they were to add any piece right now, I think it would be for depth purposes, not to start uh, on the offensive line. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And I'd like to see some some kind of resolution at tackle. I'm still not comfortable with the depth at tackle. Matt no, Perry, it's not good. Okay as a run blocker, and I say okay. Pass pro. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm concerned about you know, I I saw uh somebody asked about um uh Donovan Paola said getting rid of Tyree Phillips was a head scratcher. Phillips, by the way, was signed, I believe, by the Eagles. Um, I don't understand the Phillips move either. I really don't. I mean, I'm going to see if I can, if there's more to it. I'll, I'll, I'll sniff around and see if I can find out if there was a little bit more to that. I suspect there was. What that is, I can't, I can't say right now because I don't know. But there has to be something else that that factored into that decision. And I'm just not sure what it is because, you know, I I can't think that it was the injury that he had. I don't believe that for a second, you know, and I thought last year when he was pressed into duty, when Evan Neal went down, I didn't think Phillips was that bad. No, he's not either. I mean, so uh, it's got to be something with Parrot, you know, whether they like something that Parrot brings to the table more. I I don't know, but I'm going to have to see if I can get some kind of an answer on that because I, I'm, I'm perplexed by that move. I got to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, I, thought, I, I thought they were both, I thought they were both going to make it honestly. Cause I thought Phillips brought some versatility. Well, that's to what I thought too. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was surprised. That was probably one of the only, not that I was like appalled, but that was like one of the only cuts where I was like moderately surprised. Like nobody else. I was like really surprised. I, I expected Phillips to be on the team. Yeah. And you know the Eagles are going to make them good if he gets an opportunity to play there. They have the best offensive line coach in the sport. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that that was because just kind of a head-scratcher. Um, all right, somebody brought up Xavier McKinney and his future with the team and how McKinney's not getting his contract extension and the respect and all that stuff. Folks, the reason why McKinney's not getting an extension now is twofold. Number one, 
Getting him an extension right now is not going to help their salary cap this year. McKinney's got something like a $2 million plus salary cap hit. If you re-sign him now, the prorated signing bonus is going to boost his cap hit, not reduce it. So it doesn't make sense financially to do it right now. The other issue is, you know, look back at McKinney's career. I mean, he's a, he's a, a budding young player, very good but he's missed chunks of two out of three seasons. Yeah. All right. It's, I look at it as almost like a Daniel Jones situation in a way. Daniel Jones, his first few years, you know, had injuries. He was up and down, you know, they weren't really sure. Joe Shane comes in. He says, all right, you know what? I'm not going to pick up your, your option here. I'm going to let you show me that you're, you're worth it. Mm-hmm. I kind of see the same situation going on with McKinney. It's like, you were injured two out of the first three years of your career. Last year, you were okay, but you didn't make as many impact plays as you did the year before. Show me this year that you're that you're worth a big investment. Do you agree, guys? Yeah, I mean, I listen. McKinney's my favorite player on the Giants, so I mean, obviously, I want him to be a Giant, you know, pass this year. But I understand. I mean, safeties make a lot of money. And you want somebody that's reliable. Obviously, last year was a freak accident with the ATV thing. I'm sure he learned his lesson. Um, and, the, and the players still voted him a captain. So, obviously, he still has respect in that locker room. Um, I think McKinney's got a big year. I, I honestly do. I think he'll get back to the way he was a couple of years ago. Um, but I understand. I mean, you don't want to commit that kind of money. They didn't do it with Saquon. So, I understand them not doing it with uh, X at the moment either. And I know that in that press conference, they asked Joe Shane about that. And he said, because they mentioned he's going to wait till after the year. And they said, would you change your mind? He said, well, I'll never say never, but we're not looking at that now. Like let's, that's something the conversation him and I had and we'll, you know, do it towards the end of the, we'll do it. They have no money to do it. That's the thing. Right. They've got to find money. Well, Patty, they did just restart. I mean, obviously this is the end, but but they restructured Daniel Jones's contract. yeah, but dog, that was to get them in compliance with the um, w- with the cap. I'm looking it up right now. The Giants have 1.476 million of cap space, according to Over the Cap. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought I thought they said that move freed up like they, they had like did, but they, well, but the move dog, itself the move itself freed up close to seven million, but it was but it but also we went five million over the squad guys. It went yeah. towards gotcha. um, Simmons. It went towards Boogie Basham. That's what that money covered because I think midnight tonight is when all teams have to be, you know, the top 51 rule expires midnight tonight. So you have to be under the cap and the giants right now are at 1.4 million. That's not going to be enough to get them through the rest of the year. I'm, I'm racking my brains out trying to figure out where are they going to find more money? I I thought Art brought up a good point, Art Stapleton, because it's obvious we're, we're going to, we should at least extend them at the end of the year. Why not extend Graham Gano now? I brought that, that point up too, you know. Oh, did, I must've missed it. I'm I, sure, I you, I'm sure you did. You're great. Yeah. I'm sure you did. I wrote that um, last I week. I saw it from him. You probably said it first. He probably stole it from you, but. Um, probably did. I probably did. did. But, but I, I think, I think that would be a good idea because you're going to extend him anyway. If exactly. That could, if that could free up two or $3 million on this well, year's let me, let me take a look. And by the way, you can see my article was up first before Art said that. So, so he stole but, it from uh, There you go. Uh, Sorry, well, I, 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 I didn't mean to disrespect you. You're the no, best. No, 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 it's, it, it's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. I so, just didn't want people to think so I'm presenting Gano, an idea because I, I saw it from him. 
Graham Gano right now has a 5.547 million cap hit, of which 3.75 million is his base salary. You absolutely extend him. Give him another couple of years because I believe next year, and let me just double check. Yeah, next year he's got a, a avoided year. So 876,000 is is the dead money. That's a no-brainer in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, he's no better with age. I mean, Vinatieri played till he was 47. Doesn't matter. The guy is still kicking at the top yeah. of the That's what I'm saying. He's kicking the ball from 58 yards away like it's nothing. And he's like 37 years old. Yeah. Another guy that I extend and I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion, Tyrod Taylor, 5.45 million base salary. Yeah. All right. He's got a voidable year next year and the dead money's only going to be 1.4 million. I know all you Tommy DeVito lovers out there are like, well, Tommy <laughs> DeVito is going to be the number two guy next year. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm going to say doubtful on that, but I, I, it's possible. Um, if he's willing to take a, a lesser, lesser salary, I'd be open to that. If I'm Joe Shane, well, you, ex- you extend Tyrod Taylor because right now, Who's going to be your number two guy next year? If, if it's not You're going to have to sign it. somebody anyhow. Or you, you draft the guy. You draft the guy, you draft the guy in the fourth or fifth round. But that's, or or you, yeah. you bring back a guy who knows your system, which to makes me sense. makes sense. For the right price, I, I get what you're putting down there. For the right price, I get what you're putting down there. And I think a lot of people were slamming Tyrod Taylor. It's preseason football. And, and, and he's going yep. up against the first-team defenses with the third-team offense. And what he's not Tyrod Taylor of old. He's not a starting quarterback. He's a backup. He's a good backup. I'd be open to it for the right price. Absolutely. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Not not so much for his you know ability to play football, which is good as a backup. He's very serviceable. He's played in the league. He's been in the playoffs. But his mentorship to Daniel Jones, I, I think I brought that up last week, and it cannot be understated. I think he helped Daniel Jones a lot last year. I mean, obviously the, the coaching staff certainly did. They're great at what they do. Best coaches are going to get the best talent out of – they're going to get the most out of the talent that the players have. But Tyrod Taylor, I think, has a lot to do with – or something to do with Daniel Jones' success. And I would certainly be open to bringing him back too because, listen, if you can, you know, get more cap flexibility and bring him back, a guy like Tyrod Taylor who can still play in the league and can still mentor Daniel Jones, you're not paying him to start. You don't want that. Mm -hmm. Um, So – yeah, I mean, you're, you're hoping Daniel Jones plays all the games. That way you don't see Tyrod Taylor or Tommy DeVito or a fourth-round draft pick in there right. at any time. Um, now, so they'll, they'll, they need to find – they're not touching Leonard's contract. That he said. They're not they're – Well, not the, then the only other contract where they can get sizable, uh, a sizable amount of money because they can't touch Saquon's is a Dory Jackson. Who, and, and they're not you know, touching that. They're not touching no. that. Well, I don't know where else to – go. all right, the only – I'm looking at over the cap right now. They are right now. They've got two guys that they need to fit under the cap. And that's Jordan Riley and Javarius Owens, both of whom have a 770, 770,758 and 769,446. I got one. I got one. So they're going to have to wait guys off of injured reserve. I would think you're more versed on the cap than me. And it wouldn't be a ton but what if you back? What if what if you sprinkled three million of the cap hit back from Dexter Lawrence's contract and spread it out over the next three years combined? Let me see, you, Dexter Lawrence six point five against the cap this year. So we'll say you reduced it to three point five and you sprinkled. Let me it see, up. Dexter is wait. Let me find Dexter's deal. So we got a Dory. Where's Dexter? Okay, so Dexter's got a six point six five three. His prorated bonus is four point four. So they're not touching that. 
His base salary is 2.253. You're not going to save that much. I don't it's think. not worth it. Yeah. I don't think it's worth it. What about you, Thomas? Glowinski. Glowinski's another one I would, you know, he's oh, got a no, 4.65. No, no. Get, get him off I the know, team. I know. You probably want to move on from him, but. Guys, if you're not touching Leo and you're not going to touch a Dory, Glowinski, Tyrod Taylor, and Gano are the ones that are making over, you know, two million. And 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 Leo, but you're not doing it with Leo. No, you're probably not yeah. doing Leo. Yeah, I, so I listen. If, I, if a Dory was willing to come back for a, a moderate price, sure. But if I'm a Dory, why would you do that? So, I I'm not touching a Dory. For me, it's Gano. I think that's the guy. That's the guy. Yeah, but is that going to be enough? That's the problem. Is yeah. that going to be enough to, you know, because you're going to make standard practice squad uh, moves. And then here's the other thing, guys. Knock on wood that this doesn't have to happen. But if you start getting injuries, guess what? Now you've got to replace guys. And that's going to cost you. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I'm a little concerned about where they're going to get this money. I, I think they're going to have to clear some more space out. Because they ain't getting through the season with 1.6 million in cap space. It's just not happening. Do you maybe cut down your practice squad a little bit and save money there? Do you, you know, look to to some of these guys that are on IR? Do you look to maybe weigh them with injury settlements? Not that you get a whole lot. You know, Wyatt Davis. I, matter of fact, there's nobody on the injured reserve list with a cap number over a million. Wyatt Davis has 940,000. He's the biggest one. Where are you finding the money? That well, that's why they pay Joe Shane and Brandon Brown, Brown the big boss. That's they why. We and now you don't want to be a capologist. Find a way. That's why I don't want to be a capologist because I look at this and I and I say, holy smokes. You know, I, I, I just wonder again, is it going to be Glowinski? Do they maybe extend him? You know, Glowinski, and I know a lot of you are saying, no, no, no. Lewinsky's under contract for 2024 has a 7.2 million cap number. Do you maybe, you know, I don't know. Do you maybe, if you're going to cut him, maybe reduce his base salary, split it between this year and next year. And then you just raise that 1.5 million dead money hit. Maybe that goes up a little bit. Maybe that's the way to go. I mean, something like that. I don't want to have to commit to Golinski after this year, but if, if right. you, yeah, maybe something like that. Um, I don't know. It's it's not for me to worry about. I'm excited about the season, but yeah, it's definitely something. It's definitely something that could impact the season. So it's definitely something that uh, is important. Um, I want to get your opinion on them backloading, uh, choosing. And I guess when you, when you, when you were, as we're talking about it, it makes sense why they chose Daniel Jones, because he, had a lot of money committed to this year's cap that you can do that with, where a guy like Dexter Lawrence didn't, Andrew Thomas didn't, um, and those are kind of the guys that have the the long contracts that are making a lot of money. But for me, when they did that, I said, well, that's Joe Shane showing more confidence in Daniel Jones. We all looked at Daniel Jones's contract mm-hmm. when the Giants signed him to it, and we said, well, they might be able to get out of that. They might be able to get out of it after two years because it's only an $18 million hit. Well, Joe Shane, before the year started, elevated it now to 22. So for me, that's Joe Shane saying he's going to be here for three years. <laughs> he, well, he, he's going to be here for three years. Well, wait a second. So 2025, the cap is going to go up to 282. Right. All right. They're going to be able to, to absorb that, I think. The Giants, as of right now, and, and again, these numbers are fluid. 
as of right now for 2025, the Giants are going to have over a hundred million, 101 million in cap space. Right. They only have 25 under contract according to over the cap. So, you know, but you're right, Chris, when I, when, when they did that move, I said to myself, okay, that could mean that, you know, they, they like what they saw this offseason. And I've been saying it all along. I've been saying Daniel Jones had the best offseason and summer camp that I think he's had since he's turned pro. So, yeah. yeah, he he did, you know, he did, I think, calm a lot of fears. Now, here's the interesting thing, you know. Mike Kafka, I think we could probably all agree. I don't know if we're going to have him as our offensive coordinator for you know, much longer. That being said, the system that's in place is very heavily dable. So I yeah, think they're yeah. set up to where if they lose Kafka, it's it won't be as devastating as if they were to lose Wink Martindale. Because again, a lot of the system comes from Dable with, you know, Kafka bringing some concepts in, obviously from Kansas City mm-hmm. and, you know, other places he's been. Yeah, as crazy as it sounds, Patty, I kind of hope we lose Kafka because that means the offense took a bigger step up this year. If we don't lose Kafka, that means that the offense disappointed. When you lose an offensive coordinator, it's because the guy flourished um, like Dable did with the Buffalo Bills. So it's it, it sucks, but it's kind of a good problem to have. It means your team is having success, and it's why I was such a big advocate for hiring Brian Dable when we did. Not that I knew a ton about him. Like, I knew what he, you know, what they were able to accomplish in Buffalo, and I knew that he had a good reputation with the players there. But I didn't know a whole lot about him uh, in terms of his potential to be a head coach. But the reason I wanted him is because he was the only offensive coach that we interviewed. And I said to myself, if you end up losing the offensive coordinator and you don't have an offensive-minded head coach, you're starting from scratch all over again. Exactly. So I thought it was so vital, especially when you have a young quarterback. And at the time, we didn't know if Daniel Jones was going. He's young in himself. But at the time, we didn't know if he was going to be the quarterback pass last year. We didn't know going into the year. So I for either whether they push forward with Jones or they ended up drafting a quarterback, they had to hire Brian Dable for this exact reason. Mm -hmm. Um, If you lose Kafka, you don't miss much because you got – one of the best offensive coordinators in football is your head coach. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, look, don't get me wrong. I don't want to lose Kafka. Of course not. I like him. I think he's a brilliant young mind, very creative. You know, I think Dable has put more and more trust in him. But I think it's coming. Um, and hey, I do think. the Eagles last year. They lost both exactly. quarters. It happens. It, well, I, I, according to some of the Eagles, fans, I don't think they're losing sleep over some of us over losing Gannon. I think I, I think they're not losing sleep over that. But <laughs> you see what's I mean, going on Chief down in Arizona. So that that happens. Eric Bieniemy went to Washington. You know, so I mean, it, it happens. But but you know, so at the end of the day, it, it, the concepts basically stay the same. Yeah. You know, it might just be a tendency here and there that changes and stuff like that. That's why, you know, just getting back to the Dallas game for a second, I'm very curious to see how much of this offense is going to be different from what Kellen Moore ran. You know, because Mike McCarthy, you got to believe that Mike McCarthy had his fingers in the pot in creating mm-hmm. the system when he came to Dallas. Mm-hmm. So how much different is it going to really be? I think that's kind of, you know, everybody says, oh, my God, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, they got a new play caller. I think McCarthy probably had a, a hand in designing the offense. And, you know, I question just how much different it's going to really be. I don't think it's going to be by a lot. 
well, uh, the big difference between McCarthy then and now is there's no Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers made McCarthy look Aaron Rodgers made anybody look good. I mean, he's Aaron Rodgers. Dak Prescott is not Aaron Rodgers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I listen, I think Dak is on the way. Listen, my guy, Lord Brunson, is one of the funniest things ever, man. He called him Dak Regress Scott. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. I was like, yeah. That's I was good. Dak Regress Scott because he is regressing. And, again, this guy's had all the – Was he just never good? Well, he was – I won't say he wasn't good. I think Dak was good a couple of years ago. Overrated maybe? I think good. I think good is the right word for Dak. He's not. Yeah. He's never been great. He's been good. He's put up great stats certain years, but I don't. I've never viewed him as great. He's always been good. Right. I think he's been good. I think he had an above average year. Um, two thousand nineteen. In two thousand nineteen, he had a really good year. Um, but or two thousand eighteen, whatever it was, one of the years he had a really good year. But he's. I think Dak's been kind of inconsistent again, considering the amount of talent that he's had to work with. He had one of the best offensive lines in the league. He had Ezekiel Elliott. He had. Amari Cooper, he had CeeDee Lamb, he had Michael Gallup, he had Jason Witten, he had Dalton Schultz. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Those are pretty – you don't think Daniel Jones would sit there and go, oh, I, I, I'll take Amari Cooper, uh, I'll take CeeDee Lamb. Jason uh, Witten. one of those guys. What's that? Jason Witten. Well, we got him now. The league's best offensive line we, for we, years. We got, we got our Jason Witten now, baby. His name's Darren Waller. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. And by the way, you saw the Cowboys, they have a, an injury on their offensive line that they're not sure about. Um, I think it's their left tackle. Is it their left no, tackle? No, he's a guard. Tyler Smith, guard. he's a guard. Okay, left guard. Yeah. Name The name escapes me for a moment, but they're, you know that's something that they're monitoring. Tyler, Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that'll be interesting to see if they play. Because that, that, he just suffered that injury, I think, on Monday, if I'm not mistaken, right? It was recent. I don't remember the exact day, I but think I, it was yeah. Monday because I think t- I remember seeing Tuesday he went for an MRI and hamstrings can be tricky. But then again, you know, I don't know if, he, if he's much of a puller or, you know, if it's just going to be him having to hold his ground or whatnot. But, uh, you know, that cowboy offensive line, not quite what it used to be a few oh. years ago when it was an old world offensive line. Yeah, I see. Um, Somebody's asking who's the left tackle now. Amazing guy. It's Tyron Smith. He, he's he's playing left tackle for the yeah. Um, yeah. And and this to me, I'm hoping is that signature. And t- he's been fantastic for them. I mean, he was a, such a good draft pick for the Dallas Cowboys, and one of the best contracts that has been signed in football, in my opinion, like the last decade. When they extended Tyron Smith early on in his career to like a seven year extension, and you look at what they were able to get out of him. But I think he's getting up there in age a little bit. And could this be a game of like a passing of the torch where you see the youth of Kayvon Thibodeau abuse that elderly left tackle? That's that's I got my eye on that matchup in this game. Kayvon yeah. Thibodeau on Thanksgiving was all over. That guy was everywhere on that field on Thanksgiving. I mean, yeah. he was he didn't get a sack, but he was everywhere. He's in the backfield. He's chasing people down from across the field. He's running down on wide receivers. I mean, that was incredible. And Thibodeau was a little saucy. I mean, a little spicy. He don't mind. He don't mind mixing it up a little trash dog. You know me. I respect it. I respect a good trash dog. You know I do. <laughs> so I like that Kayvon's got all that confidence, and you know they're they're doubting him. And I'm telling you, man, he can be he can be some snow angels uh, this year for Mister Thibs. Mister, you know. So I, I see it. You know. Yeah, you know, I, and I like, you know, I made this comment um, with training camp. 
I, I kept noticing it. And eventually I think other people started to see it whenever uh, that Thibodeau, they were working on, you know, second team defense or special teams. He was always off to the side, running back and forth sprints to keep up his conditioning. Cause you know, he talked about wanting to be better this year, working on things. And he kind of got the impression that maybe he wasn't too happy with his conditioning a little bit last year, which wasn't horrible, but you know, maybe he wasn't satisfied with the level. So he did in the, in the blistering heat, he would be doing these sprints back and forth and he would just be doing little extra things. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this guy is hungry. The other thing and is he last year he dealt, with that, he dealt with that injury. So he, he may not have been in the best shape coming off the injury or when he had the sprained knee. So this year he's coming in, he knows wink system. He's had a year under his belt. I mean, he's ready to eat. I mean, Kayvon is ready to go. And if Aziz can stay healthy on the other side, that poses another problem. Because whenever Aziz is in there, he's getting to the quarterback. He's getting <laughs> It's a pick-your-poison type of deal. And then you have Leonard and, and Leo up front. Right. And then Wink's going to send uh, you know, cornerbacks and safeties. I mean, good luck. Pick your poison. Yeah. And, and we were ta- and we were talking about hidden yardage uh, earlier on in the podcast. This year, I think the Giants are going to get more hidden yardage than they did last year, just on the hold calls alone. Because Kayvon Thibodeau last year got held constantly. We've talked about it every single game. I'm not saying he's going to get every one of those calls this year, but he's going to get more of them. I think as a rookie, you kind of have to earn that respect. Mm-hmm. I-, I think he'll get more of those calls this year. And say he gets one or two calls in this game against Dallas, that goes a long way. That puts them in third and or second and long um, and, you know, more predictable situations. So I think he's going to draw more holding calls this year, too, because last year, Bad dog. He was getting held damn near every game. Oh, I mean, damn. He would be sitting there screaming, yeah. where's the flag? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. but you know, you know what? The other thing is, is you can't keep crying to the refs. I was held. I was held. No, you no, do you can't. Enough times, like, and I know this because I used to have a, a former official um, who, who used to contribute and serve as a rules advisor for me um, for inside football. And he used to tell me, you know, because he would talk to the NFL refs that, that were still active in the game. He used to tell me that was a big turnoff to a lot of those guys. You know, the guy kept crying about, hey, I was held or, hey, I was interfered with. After a while, it was like, you know, no, you weren't. And it's like the, the crying wolf almost. They say it all the time. There's a hold on every play in the NFL. Of course there is. Some yeah. of it's just more blatant than others. I mean, you know. I mean, his jersey would get ripped off. I mean, yeah. Strahan used to get mugged. Remember? Yeah. How many holy calls did he get? It's true. Strahan would get mugged, literally mugged. Him and John Runyon, that used to be a great. Oh, that was a classic. Strahan owned him. Yeah. (laughs) Strahan said he wanted Runyon to do his Hall of Fame speech, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't, too. Glazer did it, right? Wasn't it Glazer? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was funny. But you know what? I think the two men became friends or, or were friends, actually, or are friends, I should say. So, you know, John, John Runyon, um, he went on to become a New Jersey politician. I forget. Oh, did he? I, I know I his son. He was a state senator or a representative or something like that. I think he, he went on to, to go into politics. Oh, so, that's an interesting. Not, not I, my, I, I, don't, I don't remember seeing him on any ballot that I voted for, but I'm pretty sure he, he, he did that. And I'm not sure if it was down South Jersey or whatever, but I think he, 
congressman. Somebody said he was a congressman. I think Riv- Rivka Board said uh, he was a congressman. So his his son. I don't know if he's still in the league. He got drafted a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, John Runyon Jr. I don't know if he's still playing. But by the way, dog. Somebody asked earlier, why are you wearing an Eagles shirt? It's not an Eagles shirt. It's a rock shirt. Okay. So I guess somebody told them the you honestly think bad dog would be wearing an eagle shirt. Come on. I mean, I, know, listen, I, I love the the bird is cool. My dad, my dad's favorite bird was eagles. I have a well, it broke, so I don't wear it anymore. But my dad, when he passed away, he had a little like a gold eagle medallion that I used to wear my necklace. And I went out jogging one day and I noticed it was gone. I flipped my lid and it ended up being right at the end of my driveway. So it must have fallen off just as I started. Um, so I don't wear it because I, I need to get it fixed. But he always said that he's like I love he loved the bird he hated the team I mean where do you think I learned it from <laughs> <laughs> So I think okay. the birds are cool I think the bird is awesome but I think that team is trash disgusting and I'm only saying trash because it's on Patty's channel if it was on my channel I'd have a little <laughs> bit more colorful language for that <laughs> I know what, I know how you feel about them I know exactly how you feel about them. No, I told you, I told you it's you know, my, my adventures when I would go to Philadelphia for games, I mean, I I think I got off lightly, but still, I I, I was, uh, let's just say I, I was concerned about my safety because some of them were just, especially the ones that were drunk in the parking lot. I think I, I might have told you the story where one time my cab driver dropped me off on the wrong side of the stadium and I had to walk all the way around. Now, normally I wouldn't mind walking all the way around, but I had to walk through, you know, the parking lots and they, you know, I didn't have any clothes identifying who I was or anything like that. If anything, I was dressed like I was going to work. And the Eagle fans, they were very, um, what's the word I want? Boisterous. And some of them. Just Patty, I'll say it for you. Eagles fans, all of them are pitiful human beings. <laughs> Every single one of them. Uh, they, they, they were pretty. They were pretty. What one, one guy actually came up and tried to grab my arm. Hey, come on, join us for the for a tailgate party. And I just like pull my arm back and 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 I and I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm I'm trying to get away. And then, then he says, Oh, you're from New York. I can tell from your accent. I'm like, You can tell from my accent. You have drunk, and you can tell <laughs> I have a New York accent. When in fact I have a Jersey accent. At least that's what I I've been told. I see, I, I see John Letourneau. I'm, I'm messing around. You know I'm messing around, John. You know I like to egg on the Eagles fans. No, I, I, I'll be honest. Not I, I, all I, Eagles fans are bad. Let, no, let, I'm let, kidding. Let, I'm let kidding. Let be, be clear. It, not it's trolling. It's fans. trolling. No, uh, yeah, I've actually. Five percent of them. <laughs> yeah, it's like ninety-eight percent of them. It's uh, the other, the other two percent are like okay people. They're not even good people. They're like okay. The best, people. the best Eagle fans reside on our channels. No, yeah. <laughs> like there's two, there's two percent of Eagles fans that I could have like a beer with, and then quickly leave the bar yeah. oh man right. i tell you if the giants beat the eagles dog your channel is going to be must watch the giants beat the eagles eagles fans need to disappear for the rest of the year <laughs> oh, eagles, fans, eagles fans will not come anywhere as close to me until we play them again they won't they won't. <laughs> you're gonna be in so much I want. and if they beat us so what i've been dealing with this for 10 years so who cares i'm used to it they're not. <laughs> oh, so we beat them, and we will on Christmas, because I'm telling you, we had the Miracle of the Meadowlands in 78. We had the Miracle of the Meadowlands 2 in 2010. Brian Westbrook returning the kick in 97. I Clyde Simmons on a block punt score and a touchdown in overtime. I've seen enough Eagle Miracle crap this year. 
Christmas, it's our miracle. Christmas miracle <laughs> in Philadelphia, the first time in 11 years. I We're agree with that damn team. I've been a good boy all year. Santa, I don't ask for much. <laughs> just give me that win in Philly, please. Please. He's just, fired up, folks. Can you tell? Dogs. season. You know? He is fired. Dogs ready to run through a right now. Because I'm tired. It's been a long week for me. <laughs> You're ready to run through a wall. Dog, it's only midweek. Come on, man. Listen, uh, Patty, I, I said it my, I think I said it in the I was gonna say, were you the one who said it feels like it's it, the week is just dragging? Yeah, it feels like there's been 17 Wednesdays this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you what, man, dog. If I remember last year. In previous years, the weeks would fly by in between games because you, you were miserable and you just like you, oh, God, last yeah. year when we would when we were on that winning streak to start the year, it felt like a month uh, between the games. So if yeah. we beat the Cowboys week one, and it's going to be a joyous month, but it's going to feel like a month uh, before we play the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> but our feet won't yeah. come down for a week. Well, either, you know, so. yeah. <laughs> that actually that actually uh, reminds me of another question I want to ask you. You know, every year I say this that there's going to be games that the Giants have no business winning, and then there's going to be games that they should win that they lose. Yeah. Not to put a negative spin on this, but what are some of the games that you guys could see the Giants being favored to win that they should win that maybe they, they just don't pull it off for whatever the reason? Maybe the matchup isn't as good or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case might be. New Orleans is the first. Like, I, I've done my prediction on two different channels, and I did one on my own today, and I did one with the with the roundtable. New Orleans is the one. We don't play well in New Orleans. We, we haven't played well in New Orleans. I don't even know if we'll be favored, but I feel like that's a game we should win. I don't think New Orleans is very good. I think they're the best team in that division, and that's not saying much because that division is bad. But that's a game I look at and go, I think we should beat New Orleans, but – I think we could walk out of there with a loss because we don't play well there. And that's just, and the Eagles are the week after, you know what I mean? So they could be very well overlooking the saints. When we got this, we got these two out of three against Philadelphia and beating Philadelphia in 11 years of Philadelphia. Got to beat Philadelphia. I yeah. can see that. Happen. Yeah. Plus yeah. it's short rest. They're playing on Monday night before against green Bay. It's Sunday. You're traveling from home. I can see where bad dogs going with that. I actually like new Orleans this year. I think they're pretty good. So I don't even know if I'd be shocked if they lose that game. Um, I think somebody asked this on our last show, Bad Dog, uh, and I, p- I picked the Patriots. Like, I, I look at, you, you know, a surprising loss. I look at, like, games going into the year. I'm going to exclude the divisional games. The games that I think we absolutely should win uh, that I pinpoint are Arizona. Um, I'm slightly leaning to – I think we're going to win uh, for several reasons I've talked about. I won't say that as a game I ex- we, like we should absolutely win. Uh, Seattle because they're a good team, but I think we're going to win that game, but I'll exclude that game. Arizona, um, I think the Raiders are a game I expect to win no no matter what. New England's a game I expect to win no matter what. Green Bay's a a game I expect to win no matter what. And the Rams. I think there are five games going into the year where I would be very disappointed if they lost. And one of the Washington. Yeah, I said I'll exclude the the division. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, I agree. I agree with the Washington as well. But I'm, you know, I'm never going to be shocked if we lose a divisional game. It's, you know, it's the, it's the nature of the beast. Washington beat the Eagles last year, right? So there's just familiarity there. So when I exclude the divisional games and I pick out those five games, um, which one can I see them losing? It's, it's New England for me. And the reason I've said that is because we have the bye the next week. And it's our 12th straight game. At that point, you feel like maybe we're a little bit worn down. We're looking ahead to the bye. We're looking to recharge the batteries with the last five games in the regular season. So that's a game that I eye that I'm not necessarily picking us to lose. But if you're saying, Chris, what's a game that you think we should absolutely win that you could see being a dud, it would be that one. You still got to respect Bill Belichick as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you on that. That one concerns me because Belichick, you know, always has something up his sleeve. And though that game's never going to be an easy one. All right, what about a game like that – feel like that, Wink can, can – and isn't Joe Judge still on the Patriots? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I must make it. All right. <laughs> Okay. I'm, not, I'm picking up the game. Not but... are you, dog? You gotta go look at the tape, Patty. I'll let you know when I go look at the tape. <laughs> oh goodness! All right. And what about games that that you guys feel that the Giants have no business winning? That 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 you think they could maybe pull it off? Christmas Frisco? Day. Christmas Day. Frisco. Christmas Day. Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Christmas Day. Okay. I, I don't hate the Frisco pick. I'm starting to buy more and more, and I got to see how we play the first two weeks, and I got to see how Frisco looks. But I'm going to keep saying it. It's, for me, it's Buffalo. I've said it now for like three mm-hmm. months when the schedule came out. It's got the theme of the Ravens last year written all over it. Wink practiced against Lamar every day in practice. He was super familiar with him. Who knows Josh Allen better than Brian Dable? Nobody. Mm-hmm. Hey, who knows that roster better than Joe Shane that doesn't work for the organization? Nobody. So for me, that's the game I got circled. Not only do I think it's a game we could win, I'm picking us to win that game. I'm going to do a prediction video probably tomorrow. That's my, I guess, surprise shocker. I think we're probably six-point dogs in that game. I think we're going to win it. CBS Sports picked San Francisco to go 16-1. and What? It was on Instagram. I saw it. They're predicting like every team's record. 16-1. and The only loss being Yeah. Well, it was 16 I don't know about that. I said they're good. I mean, they're really good. But they I mean, are good. Purdy, but I don't know. Sixteen and one. Brock Purdy now, like I, I, they're gonna be good. I mean, I think it went twelve or thirteen easy, but sixteen. I don't. I don't like giving sixteen. I think that's a little aggressive. What do you guys think about the Jets though? Now with this this whole Aaron Rodgers dust up, and then and, and the Jets saying that, and I don't want to misquote it, but I think they said something about the defense could be really, really good for them. I mean, do you think the Jets are a little too cocky at this point, and you know, yeah. set up? <laughs> Dog is waving them off. He's like, get Jets. out of here. Jets. Jets. No, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think they. I mean, that's that's their mo, right? They've done this in the past when they had Rex Ryan. Uh, they kind of pumped their chest out. And I get it. Like, if, I, if I'm being honest, if I was a fan of the Jets, I'd be excited, too. You just added one of the five or six greatest quarterbacks ever. You have a really good all-around team. You feel like you're, he's going to put you over the top. But at the same time, prove something first. You haven't been to the playoffs in a decade. Um, and, and not for nothing, but Aaron Rodgers, can, can we say, he, can we agree that he's not the same quarterback he was, you know? I still think he's good. So- I he's still think good. He's good. Yes. Yeah. Is he better than 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 some of the other quarterbacks in the league? No, Absolutely. he's he's not. No, he's not on the level of a, a Pat Mahomes. No, but I, I definitely think he's a guy that can make a significant difference for that football team. Still, he's better than Zach Wilson. I mean, look at the Jets' track record of bringing these guys in: Boomer Sison, nothing; Neil yeah. O'Donnell, Brett nothing; Favre. Uh, Brett Favre, right, nothing. Yeah. Uh, and now they go with Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying they're going to be nothing, but these people that are picking the Jets to win 13 games and go to the Super Bowl or go to the AFC, I mean, you're out of your mind. Like, I can't see it happen. They're not better than Buffalo. They're not better than Kansas City. They're not better than Baltimore. They're not better than Cincinnati. That's just off the top of my head. Um, well, then you got teams like the Chargers who are good. Uh, I, the I, I can see are good. The Dolphins yeah. are a good team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a tough con- – the Jets are a very good team, in my opinion, but it is a loaded conference. They're a good yeah. division. Yeah, that's gonna be a tough. That's gonna be a really that good game. Would you say that that AFC is on on par, you know, competitive wise with the NFC East? You know, as far as you know, 
Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think the AFC East is, is very yeah. good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. And, of course, the Giants play the AFC East teams this year. So they got all four of them. Miami, that game's going to be a tough one. Buffalo is going to be a tough one. Although I agree with you, Chris, that it's possible that because Joe Shane and Brian Dable know that talent and, and that coaching staff, maybe that gives them a little bit of a, a, a of an advantage. New England, you know, that can go either way. And, boy, would I like to see them beat the Jets because I, I, the Jets, to me, you know. They will. We haven't, beat, we haven't so. beaten them since uh, 2011, our last Super Bowl. That's the last time we beat the Jets. We'll on them. Christmas Eve, right? That was the Christmas huh? Eve game. Victor yeah. Cruz, it's 99 best, best spread ever. <laughs> okay, here's our food conversation, guys. We have it is. Daddy had to work it in. She, she, she broke the ice. Hey, she that broke was the a ice. surf and turf. The, and this is brought to you by... They had surf and shrimp cocktail. <laughs> you never get that in the press box. Never. And it was like, I remember, you know, we went up for the halftime uh, meal or, or the pregame meal. And one of my colleagues came back and she went, holy crap, we've got surf and turf. I said, what are you talking about? Prime rib and shrimp cocktail. I was like, get out. And then I saw it. I was I like, know. whoa. Yeah. You get me I'm hungry. That game. You I get me hungry that. now. Watching that game <laughs> at my dad's house at Christmas. <laughs> the first part of it. And then we went from my dad's house to my wife's grandmother's house. And uh, I remember listening to part of it in the car. And I remember I saw the Victor Cruz touchdown before I left. Because I left at halftime. And she had a stop somewhere. I don't know where. We just stopped somewhere. And I'm like, why are we stopping anywhere? I got to get I gotta get to grandma's house. I got to watch this game. The playoffs are on the line. <laughs> and then oh, I'm like, my God. You know, 14. And they know my name now, right? That's what Victor Cruz said. They know my name now, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep, definitely. All right, listen, guys, I've got to take my last commercial. Please get your questions into the box. We'll start scattering some of them. I know some of you have been putting them in here and there, but uh, get them in, and we will start answering them when we come back right after this. Hey, Giant fans, if you're looking for a fun and different way to play fantasy football this season, you need to check out Prize Picks. Just pick two or more players, predict their stats, and sit back and see how they perform. It takes less than 60 seconds to make an entry. And best of all, you can turn a few bucks into some nice cash with the right projections. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app known for its quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and a wide selection of players and stat types. And they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday, when each Tuesday Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So what are you waiting for? Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash NFL, and that promo code is NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hey, Giant fans, with the season starting up, there's no better time than ever to to continue the conversation with me, Patricia Trainer of Locked On Giants, about your New York Giants. And now you can do just that when you join our exclusive subtext community. I love having the ability to text one-on-one with a special section of fans with whom I share exclusive updates and videos, including a weekly Q&A and coming soon film studies. And now you can try out a membership risk-free for 14 days. Simply sign up at joinsubtext.com 
slash locked on NY Giants today. If you like the service, do nothing and pay just $4.99 per month. If you don't, cancel before your trial ends and owe nothing. I hope you'll want to be a part of this special community. So please check it out today. Again, that site to sign up is joinsubtext.com slash locked on NY Giants. And please note that message and data rates may apply. See your cellular carriers plans for details. All right, everybody, welcome back to Locked On Giants Live, Trina, Tana, and Dog. And uh, as we get closer to the start of the season, which is just now a few days away, the commercials are coming in fast and furious. But hey, Fred, they appreciate you sitting through the commercials. Let's get to some of your questions. I know a lot of you uh, have popped in questions. If, if you don't get your question answered right away, just keep sticking it in the chat box because sometimes, you know, there's a lot of the, the chat goes so quickly and I'm not keeping an eye exclusively on it. So I'll see it eventually. So let's kick this one off with Brandon Swan, who wants to know Dang, which well, Giants wide receiver ends the season with the most catches. I say Paris most Campbell. Catches or receiving yards. If you're talking about receptions, I would say probably Hodgins. Would, would Hodgins be a good guess? A bit, a bit. I, I'm going Paris Campbell. Um, Paris Campbell? But Hodgins is a good pick. Um, Slayton's a possibility. If you include Barkley in the discussion, I know he's not a wide receiver. I could see him having more receptions. Waller than any for one of sure, our wide I would think. Because I think, I think Waller goes over a thousand yards. Waller's going to lead the team in receptions, I think. But oh, if we're yeah. talking exclusively the wide receiver spot, I'm going. I'm going Campbell because uh, I think Campbell's going to be used in the short passing game. I, I I think they're going to use him in a variety of ways. So that's who I'm going with. But it's it it could certainly be Hodgins. It could be any one of those three guys for sure. Hell, yeah. it could even be Wandell if the guy's pretty healthy at the start of the year. I saw. Yeah, I'm not it's, sure it's, Wandell's going to play in the first. I don't either. I don't I think he's shocked if he does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, last year our leading receivers were Richie James. He had 57, and Saquon had 57, and I think Slayton was second with 46. And obviously, this is a much different team. Uh, I don't think Darius Slayton. Well, maybe he will start. Um, but yeah, I, I think. Um, Campbell's a good guess. I mean, both of those are good guesses. I, I don't see how it would be somebody else unless they surprise you. I don't think Shepard's going to get enough snaps. I don't think Hyatt will get enough snaps. I mean, everybody's healthy uh, for the most part during the year. Nobody misses like an extended amount of time. I do. Paris Campbell can do a lot of different things. And I, I do think they'll use him in a short pass game. He can also stretch the field a little bit. So I can definitely see them looking for him. Uh, you know, for those quicker targets. Maybe you extend the field a little bit more with Hodgins, use him down in the red zone. But Daniel Jones and Hodges had a great rapport last year, and this is his first year at Paris Campbell. So maybe he's more comfortable throwing to Isaiah Hodgins, and I wouldn't blame him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of those guys will be around 60 to 70 receptions. You know, it um, wasn't Mike Martindale. Um, it was Brian Dable when, uh, you know, they asked him, do you have a number one receiver? And he's like, well, really don't. I mean, we just go to the guys that are open. We just put the best guys out there to give us a chance to win. He doesn't really designate a guy as a number one. So I can see them spreading the ball around a lot. I don't think anybody's going to be like they got 98 receptions and then the next guy's got 55. I think it'll be a lot of guys that are between that 50 and 70 reception range. Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely. Yeah, and I think it's going to be one of those years where <laughs> I agree with Bad Dog. Like there's going to be probably like three or maybe even four receivers that are bunched between maybe 45 and 60 receptions uh, in that range. But it's going to be very inconsistent in terms of how they're featured because they're going to take it because of how deep they are. They're not top heavy. They don't have that elite star, but they're deep. There's going to be certain games where 
a, a, you know, a guy like Hodgins may have a catch and then another game where he may have eight because mm-hmm. they feel like they can exploit a certain matchup. So it's it's not going to be consistent in terms of the guy that's the most featured wide receiver week to week. At least that's yeah. outside of Darren Waller, of course. Uh, right. And Barkley, who will obviously be a part of the passing game. But the receivers, I think it's going to be predicated on who they're going up against, where they think they could expose that defense week to week. Agree. Agree. I don't think, you know, this isn't like the old days when Odell, you knew Odell was going to be yeah. the leading receiver. So, all right. all right. Denzio asks, what's your score prediction on Sunday? All right. The Giants, according to our friends over at FanDuel, are currently a three and a half point underdog. I think the game is going to be close. I could see it maybe being a back and forth affair. Um, I'm going to go 27, Gi- Giants 27, Cowboys 24. That's a win. That's it's a win. Well, I That's all it. I care about. Uh, I said it yesterday, uh, yesterday in my stream. I said 24-20, Giants. Uh, great minds. Great minds take a like, Chris, because that's exactly what I said. What, what, what did you pick? I'm sorry. I said the same thing, 24 24- we did this a lot last year too. I remember we, did. We, we, we were working together forever. <laughs> this feels like a mid forties type game. If the Giants are going to win, I, I I think if the game gets it's into the a upper, battle. yeah, I think if it gets into the upper twenties, lower thirties, that plays more to the Cowboys. So I think if the Giants are going to win this game, it's going to be played in the mid to low twenties. Um, grind it out, game, control the clock, take advantage when you get inside the red zone type of game for the Giants. And if they're able to do that, that's the type of score I see, like a 24-20 Giants win. Okay. And Dallas gets the ball with two minutes ago, and Dak fires a pick. Right to Trey Hawkins, and then it's over. and then you'll and and then you'll hear Bad Dog screaming, yeah, baby, all the way from from right. and scream until we play them again. <laughs> all right. CD NYG five, four, five. Have they ever tested Neil at right guard? And was he ever good? No, to my knowledge, Neil has not played right guard. I think he's played guard at college. I don't in know. College, I don't know. But not, not, not like in the NFL. The no, no, no. Yeah, right. yeah. Not in the NFL. I think that's no. what the question was referring to. So, yeah. So no, um, I don't think you want, want to do that either. The fact that you drafted a guy seventh overall, you, you want him to play tackle. Uh, he, he's getting at least another year at tackle. Yeah. They're, they're not moving him this year. Yeah. All right, here's a good one. How does uh, this is from LA Rossity? How does Kafka neutralize Lawrence and Parsons? <laughs> Somebody's going to have to chip him. Chip he's going to have to go. He's going to have to go to church before the game because I mean that, <laughs> that's a damn good pass rush. But no, I mean yeah. it's added protection. I mean if we're being real, Rossity, it's added protection. I think you're going to see a lot of twelve personnel, and it's getting the ball out quick, like we talked about at the top of the stream, trying yeah. to take advantage of their aggressive nature draw plays, screen plays, quick passing patterns, right? Quick hitters. You got to get the ball out quick. If you you cannot expect to go into this game having Daniel Jones drop back consistently, five-step, seven-step drops. You got to get the ball out quick. It's got to be quick one-read read throws. Get him some confidence. Get him in a rhythm. Get maybe Dallas a little bit back on their feet if you're able to establish a ground game between Jones and Barkley. And that's when maybe you try to, to develop some big plays down the field. But I think you got to get the ball out quick. See, what I can see happening, again, I mentioned earlier, the, the play-action bootleg where you play-action Saquon and you roll Daniel Jones out to the right and Darren Waller's on the right side. And that way, that linebacker, whoever's out there, safety corner, has got to make the decision, do I go after Daniel Jones or do I cover Darren Waller? Awesome. I think that's a good way to do it because, again, Waller's going to be – if we're going to win, Waller's got to be a big part of the offense. I think him and Barkley are going to have to be the big part of the offense because, again, like Chris said, you don't want Daniel Jones – Taking five and seven seven drops, uh, that's not going to work out well for us. You can't do that. You want him to take a couple of shots, 
but not on a consistent basis. But I can definitely see a play-action rollout where, again, Jones is out there, and because he's mobile, that puts whoever's out there, whoever's got that assignment, that puts them in a predicament to who do I go. And if they go with Waller, Jones can take off. They go after Jones, you pass the ball to Waller. You get seven yards, you take it. And then you put yourself in second and manageable. Um, but it completely neutralized him, probably not going to happen. Yeah. I hate Alice, but those two guys are pretty good. You got to give them credit. Yes, for sure. They might okay. have the best rushing football. Pretty okay, those guys. Yeah. All right. Michael asks, how many turnovers do you think Dak has? I think he's going to be good for at least one, I would think. I mean, I, I will tell you this. I mean, on a quarter, <laughs> I will tell you this in training camp and in in individual drills. I don't know if it's just me, you know, my my recollection, but it just seemed like they put more of an emphasis on stripping the ball out of the hands of the ball carrier. I I just, I see that a lot more during the individual part of, of uh, the practices so there's a bigger emphasis on that, creating turnovers, whether it be, you know, the running back and getting the hand in to chop the ball out or, or you know, sticking a hand in and coverage, just a big, big emphasis there. And obviously, you know, the, the other thing is with the, uh, the pass rushers, they're also now coming and swearing their, you know, flailing their arms to try and knock the ball loose. So I think I you know, I'm getting one. I, oh, yeah, man. I think Dallas is going to also respect our pass rush, though. And because yeah. our pass rush is great. We have a great uh, front seven. So I don't think Dallas and they are going to take more shots than we do because they're going to try to expose our rookie corners. But I do think Dallas is going to try to establish a ground game. I think they're going to be a balanced offense in this game uh, because that's the strength of our defense is our pass rush. It just is. So um, I don't know how many turnovers Dak's going to have, but I think we're going to get some opportunities. Um, and I expect them to throw at least one pick. I think we'll get some opportunities. It's a, but if we can stop the run, if we could get them in third and long situations, Wink Wink is a good, a great defensive coordinator. He's a guy that we saw make adjustments against some of the best quarterbacks in football last year. You think about you think about the adjustments he made against the Green Bay Packers in the second half in that game. They couldn't move the ball against us. First half we couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers. Second half he couldn't move the ball against us. Lamar Jackson, same thing, stymied him late in that game. So I think Wink is a good enough defensive coordinator that if we could do the job in terms of stopping the run especially in the second half as the game wears along, as we could make some adjustments, I think we'll get opportunities to create turnovers. There's no doubt about it. All right. And I just want to revisit, you know, from the other questions, soccer span uh, posted this about in response to neutralizing Parsons and Lawrence, just run right at them, you know, put size on size, get a hat on a hat, put them on their heels and, and, and maybe get some pancake blocks in there and just see what comes of it. So, you know, that's certainly one way to do it. I don't think defenders really like it when you come right at them coming downhill. So that's certainly one way to definitely do it. All right. Um, let me see. I want to get this up here from Liam, who asked Dallas's first game with a new offense. Well, it's not really a new offense, Liam. It's Again, it's McCarthy's offense, just a new play caller. And he asked, is Brian Schottenheimer and play caller McCarthy really an improvement over Kellen Moore? We'll see. It's too soon to say, but again, I, I think this offense is primarily McCarthy's offense. I don't think it's like, you know, Kellen Moore came in and created the whole thing from scratch. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we were talking earlier about how the Giants offense is mostly Dable with a little bit of, you know, Kafka sprinkled in. So, 
you know, I, I don't know if it's. I, I, I could see there being a little bit of adjustment though early on for Dallas with the with 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 McCarthy calling the plays because Kellamore was there before McCarthy got there. He's been calling he's been calling the plays for Dak for what three years, four years. So I could see a little bit of growing pains, a little bit of rust uh, with a new play caller early on in the season. I wouldn't be surprised. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jordan Zamitti asks, who is the biggest X factor for the Giants going up against Dallas this week? Daniel Bellinger. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Daniel I like that Bellinger. One. Because he's, he's that, exactly blocking. That's mm-hmm. a huge part of it. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Dory Jackson, to me, uh, trying to neutralize CeeDee Lamb or at least, you know, make sure CeeDee Lamb doesn't, because CeeDee Lamb killed us, uh, I think, in that second game. So, Adore Jackson, I think that's a big time matchup. If that's you know what they decide they're going to do is have him shadow C.D. Lamb, I, I think that that's a big that's a big factor. If you can take him out of the game, it's going to make it a lot tougher on Dak Prescott, uh, no question. So I, I think I, I got to say it's boring because it's the most obvious one for me, but I got to say it, it's Evan Neal. Like I, like to me, Evan Neal is the guy. He's the key. Uh, this whole year, I think, for this offense, but especially in a game like this, when you're going up against that pass rush, you saw the way that he got exposed last year, give up 24 pressures as a team in that first game against Dallas. He's the X factor for me. If Evan Neal could be good, solid, we could move the ball against Dallas. So I, I think that's the, for me, that's the X factor. But there, you guys made some good points with yours as well. There's several other guys you could point to. Bobby Okereke. You know, we talked about the run defense. He's a big Isaiah player. Simmons, very Simmons, possible. Uh, the rookie corners, Deontay Banks. I mean, there's a lot of guys you could point to. Yeah, for sure. You know, speaking of of uh, Evan Neal, just real quick, I want to ask you guys. You know, everybody's talking about, oh, Evan Neal's got to have the type of leap forward that Andrew Thomas had. I pointed this out. You know, Andrew Thomas's situation in his rookie season a little bit different with the inconsistent. And, and the changing and the coaching and whatnot. And, and also he had the injury was Evan Neal now has had the same coach, you know, two years in a row now. Um, he did have the injury for me. You know, would, would I like to see Evan Neal take an Andrew Thomas like leap? Yes. I think that would be great, of course. but I would be happy with him being more consistent and more sturdy at that position. And, you know, I, I just don't know if he's going to take that Andrew Thomas Tremendous. I think I think he's capable of it. He's but capable. I, yeah, but I'm not going to go into the you're expecting it. Um, right. I will say, and, and listen, I'm by no means am I an expert in terms of analyzing offensive line play, but he does seem, you know, when I saw his reps in practice, it looks like he was getting out of his break quicker. You were at all the practices, so you saw a lot more than I did. It looked like he was getting out of his break quicker. He looked pretty good in the preseason games that I saw. Again, you can't read too much into that. You're going up against second team defenses. Um, but I do think he's going to be better this year. I think he's going to be significantly better. But yeah, I'm not expecting an Andrew Thomas leap like that. Yeah, I mean, and 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 Andrew Thomas, if we're being honest, Patty, he was much better than Evan Neal in his rookie year. Uh, Andrew Thomas started off really bad first seven eight games, and the last eight games he really started to show progression. He shut down Chase Young late in the year, um, and he, and we all heard about how he was dealing with a hurt you know hurt foot the entire year. I know Neal got hurt last year too, but I'm not going to set those kind of expectations. But I will say. Yeah. Evan Neal looks fit this year. He looks like he definitely been working out uh, with some of the pictures I've been seeing uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter. So hopefully that, that uh, you know, that translates on the field. Mm-hmm. For sure. And yeah, listen, before- faster. I mean, when you're lighter, you're faster, you're more flexible. So 
Yep. And he yeah. worked on his balance too, which right. was a big problem in his rookie season. Um, you know, you see him bending less at the waist now and, and, you know, bending, you know, at the knees, like he should be. So the technique's been cleaned up. The balance issue seems to be cleaned up. So, you know, I think he's going to be a better player, but, you know, in terms of taking that big jump, you got to remember last year was his first year on the right side after playing on the left side the mm-hmm. year prior. And I know he had played on the right side in college, but when you get away from that for a while, sometimes you got to get your sea legs back underneath you. So it was a little different set of circumstances for Evan Neal than it was for Andrew Thomas, I think. So that's why I'm not looking for, you know, uh, part two, Andrew, Andrew Thomas part two. I just want Neil to be better, and I think he will be better. Let me, let me ask you uh, right now. Do you sign up for this right now before the year starts if um, if I tell you that he's going to be this? He's going to be no more than this. Evan Neal will be an average right tackle in the NFL this year. Do you sign up for that if you're a Giants fan? Of course. Ooh. I don't think he was average last year, so yeah, I, I think it's an that, improvement. But is it is it a big enough is it big enough for you? Are you satisfied well, with that if you're a Giants fan? I I, I would I jump on it because uh, yeah, I, 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 I think if he's average, this offense could be really good. Right. Yeah, I I think I would sign up for that. I mean, I you know, would it be great if he played like Andrew Thomas? Absolutely, but I think it's you know we've got to stop with that expectation. I'm not sure that expectation is realistic is what I'm saying. I I think he will be better, but you know, the huge leap that Andrew Thomas took, I'm not so sure that's what we're going to see from Evan Neal, but I could be wrong. And I hope I am. So, all right, before I take this next question, just real quick, folks, uh, I've got another show on tap tonight. It's going to drop after midnight crossover Thursday returns. Marcus Mosier, co-host of, Locked on Cowboys joins me and we break down the Giants-Dallas game. Marcus Mosier, who thinks Eli Manning shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. We didn't discuss that on the show. There's another reason why I made the video I made. (laughs) We didn't discuss that on the show, but I'm just just telling you, you know, Marcus is cool. Marcus and I get get along with all my co-hosts and my colleagues over at Locked On. But when he said that, I was like, dude, come on. Come on, man. What are we smoking here? So, I mean, anyway, that's show- well, I mean, Eli's got more playoff wins than the Cowboys have had since, you know, their last Super Bowl. So, I know, I know. But that show's going to drop just after midnight tonight. So, I hope you'll check that out. And then I've got Gene Clemens scheduled to be on with me for Friday as we continue to bring you all these pods. So, I want to thank you for a great week. We've had an awesome week this week. If, for those of you who didn't check out the shows, Paul Dettino was on. I had Jonathan Casillas on. Um, I did a couple of shows solo. And, of course, you've got Locked On Giants Live, which you guys asked for, so we're going to bring it to you. So, all right, let's get back to your questions. Fix the O-line asks, do you think Dable has ever overruled Kafka on a play call? Um, to I'm my just... knowledge, that hasn't happened. Yeah, He might ask him, you know, what you're thinking here? What do you, you know? Like he might call a play. I, I mean, the game is going on so quickly. Sometimes you don't have time to, to to discuss something to overrule it. I mean, unless you take a time out. So I don't think it's happened a whole lot if it's happened at all. Unless again, they take a, you know, they take a time out to discuss it. But no, I I think they're pretty much on the same same page. And I by the, and by the way, I see a lot of people reacting to what I said about my um uh, my hypothetical about Evan Neal. I didn't mean average for his career. I meant average for this year. 
Uh, uh, okay. I, for his career, Evan Neal better be better than average. You drafted yeah. him seventh overall. But I'm just talking about this year. Would you be content if you're a Giants fan if he becomes an average tackle this year? And I, yeah, I think that's a lot of growth. So that's my mindset. But I, right. I, I, in case people misunderstood me, I was not saying I'd be happy if he was average for his whole career. Right. Okay. No, thanks for clarifying that. All right. Let's see. Uh, Antonio Douglas asks, what two players are you guys concerned about on Dallas? Parsons on defense, Brandon Cooks on offense. We're not talking enough and about I'm Brandon Cooks. With Brandon Cooks, Patty, but you're that concerned with him, really? You're, you're he's that. We're high not word. talking enough about him, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we're, we're we're talking C.D. Lamb and Dory Jackson, which is a big matchup. Don't get me wrong, but Brandon Cooks, I don't feel we're talking enough about him and and how the Giants are going to, you know, neutralize him. Just just my two cents on it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate the pick. Um, but if the Brandon question was, beats us, you tip your cap. Yeah, I'd rather beat us than CD Lamb. Like CD Lamb scares me, and I, I'm a Sooner fan. So I mean, I've always liked CD Lamb, and amazing how every damn Sooner goes to the Cowboys or Eagles. It's just it's unbelievable mm-hmm. how that happens. And I can't root for him in the NFL because I hate the teams that they play for. But he scares me. Uh, he torched us last year. So, um, and then of course, I mean, Micah Parsons was, <laughs> gets. Couldn't scare anybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to start with Parsons with that. Uh, He's by far the guy I'm most scared about. And You know what? I don't think he's very good, but he's a guy. I don't think this is a game where we could afford to make a lot of mistakes. Trayvon Diggs. He's a guy that takes Mm -hmm. chances, um, and he can break a game open, right? The guy had 12 interceptions. I do think we could hit some big plays on him, but the guy's a playmaker. So... I worry about him jumping around if Dallas gets pressure on the quarterback. So I'll throw the, I'll throw him in the mix as well. Okay. That, that, that sounds fair. All right. Uh, this next one is from CD NYG five forty five. is McKethan the plan to replace Glowinski? I don't know if he's the plan. To, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I that's don't a bad question. So. It's not a bad plan, but yeah, you know, I, don't, I, I think it's too soon to say. I don't think they have, at least my opinion, I'm curious to get everybody's opinion on this. I don't think they have a set plan in terms of who's going to be the long-term answer at the guard. I think you've seen it. I mean, if I would have told you, CD, before the year started that Trey Hawkins was going to be the starting corner at the start the year after we drafted the guy, you would have said, you know, finish your YouTube channel. You're done. You shouldn't be talking about this team. So we've seen what the, you know, what this team is about. It's not about where you've been drafted. It's not about how much money you get. They're going to analyze him. They're going to analyze Azudu. They're going to analyze other offensive linemen that they draft in the future. And they're going to pick the best of the bunch. So if Ethan develops, he may become that starting guard, but I don't think they have one guy that they're like, JMS, obviously, Neil, obviously, and Thomas, obviously. But the guards, I don't think they have a set guy where they're like, Azudu's definitely the long-term starter. McKeithen's definitely the long-term starter. No. Cordell thought they drafted in the third round last year. He can't sniff the field. They took uh, they took Trey Hawkins in the sixth round. He's starting opening night. So, for me, it's about who develops as a player. And if McKeithen develops, maybe he gets an opportunity in the future. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's see. Jonathan Chris asks, um, let me get the question. There it is. Are you guys wor- worried about two rookie cornerbacks? Yes. A little me. bit. But you know what? Again, they've got to get experience. They've got to get out there and get live reps. 
It's the only mm-hmm. way they're going to get better. Are they going to get beat? Sure, they are. Absolutely. But you know I mean, what? That's how you learn. That's how, how you, you not learn. Be, how could you not be worried going into this game with the two rookie corners? They got experienced I, wide receivers over there. Got to be. No, and, and that's how it's going to be for the rest of the year. They're going to face yeah. the receivers. You know, they're going to face them against the Eagles. But you know what? That's how they're going to learn. Of course. So, you know, you might have to take your lumps a little bit more this year. But let them learn. They're smart guys. I think, you know, they, they learn quickly. They've got short memories. You know, if they really struggle, then you say, okay, maybe we should sit them down. But that's not how this coaching staff rolls. It's not going to be like the first time Trey Hawkins gets beaten, they're going to say, oh, we got to put him on the bench. No. No, that, that, that's, not how, that's not how you learn. And I know a lot of you are like, well, well, you know, learning time's over. The games are counting. Yeah, I get that. But on-the-job training is going to help make these guys better. And I think that's what this coaching staff believes in. Of course. Of course. Yeah, so – all right, uh, Jonathan Chris with another one. Do you see Wandale getting some reps on Sunday? No, I think he's going to be inactive. So what's the plan? If that, And I agree with you. That's trending where it's going to go. Do they shoot up five wide receivers at that point? Like, or do they call somebody up? Well, I mentioned they might call up a uh, Cam Sims for special Oh, Cam team. Sims, that's right. Yes, yeah. that would be the sixth receiver. Good call. Yeah, that's that's what I think they're going to do. Right, special team. Guess. Obviously, mm-hmm. I got to see the final injury report on Friday, but I'm – that would be what I would do because, like I said, special teams, the coverage teams still makes me nervous, as does the punter who tends to outkick the coverage, it seems like, once a game. I'm thinking about it. I think Sterling Shepard's going to have a big game. As a punt returner? Or, or as, as, uh, in the game as a pass catcher. I'd love to see that. I, think I would love to see that, too. Because I, I, I think in that game you're going to attack the middle of the field. And I – he, they don't have Wandell. I think Shep, when he's out there, is going to be featured in the slot. I think Shep's going to have a, a couple of big plays in this game. I do. I think he's going to have a couple. Of big I hope plays. so. I'm going. I, I think Jalen Hyatt has one deep one. I love it. I do. I love it. I think Jalen Hyatt may have a Deshaun Jackson type game where he has like two catches for 84 yards and a touchdown. Like one of those catches is like a 65 yard bomb. The other one's like a 19 yard first down. And that's all he does. But I, I, I can just I, I just have a feeling he can get behind the deeper because Dallas gambles. And that's what I'm saying. You all you gotta do is you gotta give Daniel Jones time. I mean, that's the big part of this book. Just right. it just takes a little pump fake and little and Trayvon to jump the route. You're not catching Hyatt when he's behind you. You're not catching him. So, you know, that's the other thing. Jalen Hyatt's in the game. You might have to think about playing a safety over the top. You're gonna have to give him a cushion. And then maybe he eats you alive underneath. That's what speed does. I mean, Jalen Hyatt still has a lot of work to do. He's been great. All these Dallas Cowboys fans, he runs one round. He can't do, you haven't been watching the Giants preseason at all. Um, he's been fantastic. He's had a great catch radius. He's catching almost everything thrown his way. He did have the one drop, and then he atoned with a touchdown in the very next play. So he's the guy who won the Fred Bolitnikov Award for the best receiver in college. They don't just give that stuff away. Yeah. So, and he torched one of the best teams in the country for five touchdowns in Alabama. Mm-hmm. So, it's not like the potential is not there. I could see yeah. that happening. I could see one big bomb. At least I'm hoping. I would love that. I, I, nice. I would love that too. I'd sign up for that for sure. Papa Guzzo, what's going on, my friend? Good to see you in the chat. 
I love Papa Goose. I'm adopting your father, Chris. I'm shaving today. I know. Dog shave for How about that? We didn't even run a Harry's commercial, too. I saw that. I had to run to the bathroom. There's my commercial about the hair. They also have hair products for women, too, by the way. I found out. But anyway, Papa Goose wants to know, will KT, Mr. Tibbs, will he make a big defensive play to win the game for the Giants? If we're gonna win the game, he's better. We need he's him. better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I, we, I think we, we, he's gonna be he's gonna be fired up. You know, with with, with Mister Tibbs, I got to tell you, it's like this very calm fire. You could you could almost feel it yeah. burning inside of him. Like he's so lo- locked in, so focused, and he's got this fire simmering inside of him to where come game day, you just know it's gonna. Whoosh, explode and come out of him like a volcano like lava out of a volcano we 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 talk we talk about uh you know how parsons scares us he's our parsons i mean i'm I'm not comparing the parsons but he's our parsons he's the guy that in this game you need to make plays and show up in a game like this a game of this magnitude um and it's a big game there's no downplaying it he better show up he doesn't show up we're not gonna win the game He's yeah. our guy. He better show up. Yeah. Show up in that exactly. second game for sure when he was healthy. I mean, he was yeah. everywhere. And listen, I think having Aziz Ojolari on the other side is only going to help him. And again, having Isaiah Simmons, I mean, just the linebacking core is so much better. And the defensive line is so much deeper. Um, this is a second year in the league and under the system. There's no reason to think. And you can tell by his attitude. He's like, I was disappointed in my rookie year. I mean, he wants it. All this crap about why, you know, he felt that uh, he don't work hard. He takes plays off. You know, I have seen – I've never seen that. I and have seen it's that. The I never see the guy quit ever. Like, he plays through the whistle. That's the type of guy you want. So, I'm glad he had that reputation because he ended up being ours <clears throat> instead of yeah. uh, pick last. Uh, was it Jacksonville? Who picked? I forgot who picked that dog. Was it them? Who picked number one? <clears throat> uh, the, what, the year that we got Thibodeau? Yeah. Um, was that, that the trade? That wasn't the trade, right? No, who picked? No, that was this year. Who who picked? The Jets year? picked three. They took Sauce. Was it Jacksonville? Wasn't it Jacksonville? With Lawrence? Took, no. um, oh, yeah, it was. They took the Combine Warrior. Yeah. They took the comp from Georgia. What's his name? Uh, <laughs> I can't even think of it. it was Travion something, and I don't. Yeah. Uh, okay. Walker, Walker, yeah, Walker, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that it was gonna, when it got, when Sauce Garden was fourth. When he fell the fourth, I knew then uh, when Stingley went third, which I was surprised. I'm like, we're getting Sauce or Dibs at this point, and I was mm-hmm. pumped up either way because the lockdown corner is extremely important too. But yes, maybe we got. I, th- I think they would have gone Sauce if, if if he had been there. Oh, they were going. Whatever. There was, was no doubt in my mind. He's too good of a fit for this scheme. They were yeah, but I didn't it. think Sauce was going to get down to them. No, neither did I. I, I. I thought I thought Mr. Tibbs might have a chance, but I, I was like, if Sauce fell to them, I would have been doing backflips up and down Route Three. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't work out. So anyway, uh, you Raj Singh asked over under Daniel Jones' scheme: two hundred fifteen point five passing yards. Half a passing touchdown. How do you have a half a passing touchdown? Well, I guess I he's saying is he got to throw at least one touchdown. Got to throw at least one. 20 and a half rushing yards. E- yeah. Um, I don't know if those are stats that you found or if you're asking us about it. Um, 
I can I, see the, the easiest one for me there. I think most people would point to the touchdown. The easiest one for me, actually, I think it's the rushing yards. I think I he's going so, low. Truly. Yeah, I think the rushing yards, and I think I think Jones yeah. will have one passing touchdown at least. Yeah, I agree. I would take the over on the passing touchdown. I, I think he throws one or two. I don't think it's going to be a game where he lights right. up that cheap. Rushing touchdowns, I, I'm going to say. You can't I'm predict rushing see. touchdowns. It's so, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. Um, passing yards, I think he'll throw for more than 215. I think it would be slightly above I, that. I think Maybe go, I, I'd take the over on that. Yeah, slightly over. Like 222, something like that. Um, but I think I think he's going to do at least 50 on rushing yards. I think they're going to use his legs a lot in this game. Yep. He's going to have to. Yeah. yeah. Get out of that pocket. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's and see. I, I can have, listen, I can see him turning it over once. Because yeah, I think there's sure. shots, and you know, I, I, Dallas is a good defense, so I could. I mean, he might not lose a fumble, but he could definitely fumble. I mean, he could get blindsided and fumble the ball. I mean, that is possible. Like, if anything were to happen, I think that's more likely. If he's going to turn it over, I think that's the most likely scenario. I don't think he'll throw an interception, but uh, I think that would be what happens: is somebody just gets beat, maybe even up the middle, whatever, and he and he takes a hit and loses the ball. Like that, I could see. I hope that doesn't happen. Right. Listen, this is one of the top two or three defenses yeah. we play all, all year. If he... Oh, and, and by the way, another guy we're not talking about on defense for the Cowboys is Gilmore. We and haven't we should, talked and about him. He should be. He's good. Yes. Yeah. He's so, good. you know, it's that's gonna a guy. Test. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a test. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's see. Jonathan, Chris, how limit, limited will Hyatt be? Will we see some decent playing time from him? I'm not sure he's going to be the featured receiver. I think he's going to, you know, maybe get, if I had to take a guess, maybe five, six targets. I, think I don't even think he gets that many if I had to guess. But I, 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 yeah, I don't think he's going to be the featured or even co-featured in this offense. I think Waller's going to get a, get a, a fair amount. Who, who would you see as being the receiver who's probably going to? Waller. Get, for sure, I'm, I'm tight end. That's he's oh, okay, tight end. Yeah, yeah. Wide out, wide receiver. Shep. You think Shep's gonna have a Cam? I, I yeah. would go I'm Campbell. Think, I'm thinking those short, those guys yeah. who can you know catch a ball over the middle and turn turn it into the yards after the catch are gonna really you know feast on this one. I would think. Yeah, I'm gonna go Campbell is the most targeted receiver, and and I do think Shep will be somewhat featured too. But I'm gonna go Paris Campbell, the most targeted receiver in this specific game. Okay, fair enough. All right, Denzio asks, does Shep finish the season with the Giants? I don't think they're going to cut him if that's what you're asking. Now, could he finish on IR? Sure, anybody can, I suppose, but they're not going to cut him. I, yeah, I'd be stunned if they do that. So I'm not I'm not really sure if your question was referencing would he finish the, the, the season with the Giants, regardless of, you know, active or on IR. But, yeah, I, I they, they're not. They're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna cut him. I I just don't see it. No, so. no. Unless he get if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. But no, they're not just gonna cut the guy. Yeah. Hey, do you guys feel that uh, that that Tibbs has been kind of under the radar this this summer? That you know. He's yes. Getting... Yes. Yeah, um, I think uh, Bill Maxwell brought that up. He said that Tibbs has been under the radar off this whole off season. Do you expect his role to change much? In this defense, or are you, or are you just expecting to see a, a better version of him? Yeah, I just expect more growth and consistency. I think I think we saw the flashes last year. He had three or four incredible games, uh, specifically the Washington game. The Cowboy game, he was great, too, the second time around. Um, even though I don't think he got a sack in that game, he was really good. I think he had, like, 12 pressures. Like, he was really good in that game. So he definitely showed flashes of what I think he's going to be. 
Um, I just expect more growth. I don't think they're going to change his role in the defense. Um, as Wink said, there's no selfish players in this defense. They're not always going to ask Wink to be a guy that strictly goes after the pass rusher. They're going to ask him to do multiple things. That's why, historically speaking, there's never been a guy in the Wink defense that's had double-digit sacks. And I don't think Wink is going to change his defensive philosophy for anybody, uh, Kayvon or anybody else. So I think he's not going to be strictly a pass rusher. They're going to use him in a similar fashion, but I think you'll see more production from him this year. And he'll get more holding calls. Hopefully, right? Yeah. All right. Rivka Board, in response to uh, what we said about Hyatt, why should he play so little? Has Campbell definitely shown he's better? It's not a question of who's shown he's better, Rivka. It's a question of the game plan and how to best attack the the uh, Cowboys. You know, I, I just – Hyatt, to me, is more of a deep speed, down-the-field type of guy. Um, I I question as to whether, you know, Kafka is going to put more of an emphasis on, you know, the yards after the catch stuff, you know, and I could be wrong. I don't know what the game plan is, but that's what I'm thinking. That's why I think maybe Paris Campbell or Sterling Shepard might, might see a few more, you know. I I think there's going to be plays drawn up for Hyatt, but I just don't think he's going to get a a ton of targets. Like, yeah, because I don't think Hyatt's a quick hit guy. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about it earlier in the stream. The Giants got to do a lot of quick passing. You you would think they're going to want to get the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands as fast as possible. And yeah, there should be some plays drawn up for Hyatt. But this isn't a game where you have Daniel Jones doing five and seven step drops. You know, for yeah, half. exactly. Now against Arizona, different story. Open up a little bit. Exactly, Open it up. exactly. Yeah. Open it up. Absolutely. All right, Big Mike wants to know, how many sacks do you expect from Sexy Dexy this year? Now, he had, what, five and a half last year? I think he had seven and a half. Or seven and a half. I'm sorry. I'm thinking O'Jolari had five and a half. Yeah. Do you think he'll top that or, or, or equal that, or do you think it'll be fewer? Around the same. Uh, I, I, I think same? around the same, maybe a little bit more. Uh, it's hard to really? predict sacks. Uh, yeah, because I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has eight or nine, because I, we yeah. improved the depth. That's going to keep him fresh at the end of these games. You yeah, have, but go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, yeah, and, and now you have obviously more talent around him. I think that's only going to increase opportunities for him and everybody else to get after the court. I think we're going to have more sacks this year as a team. Um, I've said that. that I agree. We had 41 sacks last year as a team. I think we're going to be close to that 50 number. I think it's going to be a pretty substantial increase this year in that department. So I'm not going to say significantly increases that number, but I think he's going to be right around it. I think, I think, Seven and a half. I'm not I'm seven to eight sacks. That's what I predict he's going to get this year. I'm I'm going to say less. And here's why I say less. He's not going to play as many snaps as he did last year. I agree, but it's kind of like what I said about Barkley. I expect to get a better version of Dex with the snaps that we get. All right. I mean, and we'll it, say, and I'm late these games wrong, when the quarterback has to throw, less. he'll be fresher. Yeah. I, I, I just, I think it's going to be less, not a that's whole fair. lot That's less. a good prediction. I respect it. You know, I mean, I think, you know, you're going to have, I do agree with you that it's going to be, you know, we're going to see an increase team-wise, you know, hopefully Aziz and, and Tibbs, you know, bring it. I, I hope Leonard bounces back and starts bringing it, you know, but I, I just think there's, you know, there's only so many sacks to go around, just like there's only so many, you know, passes to go around per game, so. With a defense like this, to be honest with you, it's not about individual sacks. It's about team sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't Very care true. if Javon gets six sacks if the team gets 49. And we're right. constantly getting pressure on the quarterback. He sends pressure from all over. It's going to come from the slot. It's going to come from the safety. It's going to come from the inside linebacker. That's the type of scheme he runs. So 
it's not about individual stats in this defense. It's about a collective effort. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, <clears throat> Jonathan Chris asks, will Eric Gray return both punts and kickoff? Believe that's the plan. Yes. <clears throat> that's what they've been saying. Yeah, that's what that's. Yeah. At least that's so we'll what it looks to like see. to start. Yeah. But here's the thing with punting, with, with the punt returns, could we see Shep do it? If all they're asking him to do is field the ball, because remember, that's here, here's what you got to remember with punt returns. You want somebody who's sure handed because even if God forbid, you know, it's deep in their own territory, you got to think that the offense has enough firepower to get out of deep in their own territory. So I would not be too concerned if, if they just said, okay, you know, just fair catch the ball and let the offense go to work where I remain concerned with, with, with the, uh, with special teams is the coverage units because I don't want the defense having a short field to work with. And now Wink Martindale is limited as to what he can dial up, mm. Mm. you know, I or like with it. chances that he can take. So, I like it. so that's just my take on that. Um, so we'll see. All right. Let's see who else we have. Let's see. We have other questions. Let me just, uh, just talking. So let's see. Uh, okay. Bob Wells wants to know how big of an impact will Simmons have? A growing impact as the year progresses. I, I think so. He he's still, you know, here's the thing: when a new player comes on board, I don't think they they ever fully learn the playbook because the playbook is so thick. And with within the playbook, you're learning, you know, like the the little nuances behind certain things. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when a player comes in after missing most of training camp or all of training camp and the off season, what they do is they just focus on, okay, just learn this section of the playbook, you know, for the game plan. Yeah, That's what you want to focus on. So as that grows, their role will grow. Yeah. That I, that's what, uh, yeah. I, I, I think there's, they traded for him for a reason. Joe Shane's not in the habit of just handing out draft picks like they're candy. So uh, I think Wink has, and and you just look at his skill set. He's a perfect fit for a defense like what Wink wants to run. So I think there's a clear plan for him. I think he's going to be productive. Is he going to be an all pro? No, I don't expect that. But I think he's going to be productive. And I think his productivity will increase as he gets more familiar with the playbook, more familiar with what they're looking for him to do in this defense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think at first he's just going to be exclusively a pass rusher. Like, I really think that's what they're going to do. And, you, Patty, you mentioned just learn one part of the playbook. I think that's the part of the playbook they're going to bring him in there for. I mean, we saw it against the Jets. I mean, he came in there, he bowled over the running back, and Rodgers got away from him. But, I mean, you saw he looked like he was shot out of a cannon. Yeah. And he got there in a, in a blink of an eye. So uh, I can definitely see that, you know, his role in the first month or so of exclusively doing that as he learns, you know, other parts of the playbook. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Here's a good one. Matthew Stein asks, what role do you think Paris Campbell will have this season? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I think he's going to have the role that I believe was meant for Kadarius Tony, mm-hmm. almost That's like a good, joystick yeah. type, mm. you know, working out of the backfield on some plays, you know, deep, deep speed, um, over the middle, I, I'm going to say the, the Kadarius Tony role that I think they were looking to have the a former receiver, uh, their former receiver, Phil. Yeah, I mean, I think he's that type of player. He's not identical, you know, but he's that he's that versatile player that you could do. You know, you could put him in the slot, you could put him in the outside. He's yeah, he's super fast. Um, 
So, yeah, I agree with you. I think, like, at least as what we envisioned as fans going into last year, how we pictured Tony being that guy that may have seven or 800 yards in the side, I think that's what I envisioned Campbell. I view him as a guy that may have 65 catches, 800 yards if he stays healthy this year, and that's a big if. But I think he's going to be heavily featured in this offense. I think he's going to be a big part of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, let me see. We'll take a few more. Um, Rivka Board, by week eight, who do you think the Giants' wide receiver one is going to be? Not Waller. I don't think they're going to have a true one. See, Dable was asked that, I think, this week. Was. and it's or, or Kafka, but one of the two was asked that. It was Dable. And, the, uh, I think Dable. It was the, and it's going to change. You know, that that's... That's something he takes from Belichick. You know, it's not like a case where you're going to have um, Odell, <laughs> who we all knew was the number one receiver, or a few years ago when Amani Toomer or, 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 or I'm sorry, Plaxico Burris was the Victor number one Cruz. receiver. Victor Cruz. You know, you know it's going to change depending on the opponent. So I, I don't think they're going to officially crown a number one receiver. And, you know, just going back to what Joe Shane said last year, it almost sounded like, you know, yeah, you'd love to have a Justin Jefferson on your team, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's not necessarily a recipe for success. So, yeah. I mean, Waller by default is the number one receiver. And know, Barkley might be the number two. Bar- Barkley might be the number two uh, in terms yeah, of in exactly. the, in the past catch game. But um, what I will say is I think by week eight or approaching the, you know, the, the last seven or eight games of the season, I could see Hyatt. And Wandell being a lot more featured in this offense, I'll say that. Right, but it'll be it'll depend on the on the on the matchups, like you said. Right, all right, Jonathan. You keep asking about score prediction. I think we covered that a little earlier on. Um, so uh, I see the question. I, I'm pretty sure we answered that question uh, earlier in the show. Uh, let's see. Matthew asked about Paris Campbell. We just asked. I think we just did this one. Paris Campbell having a role. I'm a little behind on these questions. I could see, I got to get caught up here. Um, let's see if there's any others. We'll have, we'll take a few more if we do, and then we'll call it. Cause I gotta, I gotta start writing for tomorrow. Uh, a lot of stuff to write. Uh, okay. Here's, here's, Oh, come on, Rivka. Come on, Rivka. Rivka, by the way, writes for big blue view. Oh, does he? My, my, she, she's, it's, it's, Oh, she, I'm sorry. She, I'm sorry. Yeah. She's, but she's really good, by the way. She writes for Big Blue View, um, and she's also she also I think does writing for a Jets site, by the way. So, which probably- which explains the Jets and Giants. Uh, yes, yeah. and I'm like, is that just an X through the Jets because she didn't like the Jets? <laughs> I got it. Or, that, or it's it might be the site, the Jets Express or something. I'm oh. not sure. I know she writes for the Jets. For Jets side, well, I know, I know that's the big blue view logo that I see there. Yeah, because so, I've rec- I've yeah, seen she, that before. Yeah, she does. She does a lot of analytical stuff there. So very actually, nice. surprised to see you, but I'm glad to have you, Rivka. I've spoken to Rivka on the phone before, so glad to have you with uh, in, in the pod. But how many roughing the passer penalties Dex will be called for this year? Come on, on, girlfriend. What kind of question is that? I get one against Dak. Listen, come on. I can live. I can listen. If he's going to hit Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts late and give him a little, give him some business, I can get on board of it. Yeah. One time, listen, one time. as long as you're up in the if game. Up 28 to 17, Rifka, up 28 17, a minute 40 to go in the fourth quarter. It just lambaste Dak Prescott. Who cares if you get called for late? Just drill him, <laughs> let him know. That's your next time, baby. 
that remember me the next time he played. I love how how great was that um, when when they had Mike uh, when they had Dex mic'd up last year in the playoff game against the Vikings when you heard him talking trash. Uh, did you guys see that those those clips, the videos where they had Dex? I remember it, but I, I remember seeing it, but I don't remember. The oh, it was so great! Yeah, he, like, he was he, crash. He, I think he turned to the off, one of the offensive linemen on on the on the Vikings, and he said, "You you hugged me more than my mother," or something like that. Uh, it, it, it was it was so funny. It was so funny getting to hear him talk trash. Yeah, uh, De- De- Dexter's funny. He, he oh, he's he's, he's hilarious. He's great. I love Dex. All right, uh, Neymar Sekhorn. Will Giants get Brandon Ayuk at the trade deadline? I don't see it. Why? Why would the 49ers trade him? Why would the 49ers trade him? And then what are you going to give up? I mean, come on, you got to have some draft picks. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, if they, were, if they were looking for second round picks for Jerry Judy, and the Bears gave up almost—I mean, pretty much a first because there was an early second for Chase Claypool. The Ayuk thing, unless San Francisco just completely falls on the face of the earth, and there's and they're not gonna, they're not gonna. The NFC West stinks. Yeah. Now we heard those rumors last year, but you know, San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. Get rid of him. No, he may All become right. a free agent, but they're not trading him in season. No, I, you wait till next year to get to, to if you're going to address receiver. I, I, I don't, I'd be surprised. Matthew Stone asked, were you upset? The giants kept Brightwell over James Robinson. Me personally. No. Was I upset that they let Ja'Shawn Corbin get away? A little bit. I'm not going to lie. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Did Corbin – I missed it. Did Corbin sign on Corbin with went else? with – who did he – Carolina, I think he signed with. He's a, uh, Yeah, I, I liked Corbin. I liked I liked Corbin. Corbin too. I, I had him making the roster. So did I. I thought he would make it over Brightwell, but Brightwell with that special teams – I gotta be honest. I, I'm indifferent. It's a fourth string running back. If we're if we're down to that guy carrying the ball, oh, yeah. trouble regardless. So at that point, Brightwell is definitely more effective. He's going to mean more to the team as a special teamer than a fourth string back. So again, I trust in the coaching staff, um, and you know they feel that's the best move to help their team. You know, as far as all three levels go. Again, Brightwell is going to contribute more to special teams than James Robinson or. Corbin would have to the. Well, I'm surprised with the injury. I I thought they would maybe move him to IR. That's that's where I was, you know, because I knew that knee injury was still, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. We we said that when we did the uh, roster breakdown, we made that point with why they chose Brightwell, and it makes complete sense. I just you knew this year because we've improved as a team. We've gotten deeper. There was going to be players that were let go that you were like, I wish we got to keep that guy. But I'm not even like necessarily arguing with the decision that they made. I understand it. They need and special teams is very important. And if you have a guy that you feel could be a, a a big time contributor there at your fourth running back, yeah. If Corbin sees the field this year, we're probably not making the playoffs. So right. Right. I I agree with you. If they felt that Brightwell was a bigger contributor on special teams, it was the right decision. And again, I just, I just hated to see Corbin go because I do think he could be a good player. And again, if I'm going to sit here and say that I've got concerns about special teams, I understand the move. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I just was disappointed. I thought Corbin had a decent summer, and I would have liked to have seen them. I think I, I they wanted to keep him, but I thought he was going to. I I think they would have liked to have kept him, but it just didn't work out. Matt, super sad. Did you discuss the DJ restructuring? Yeah, we did. We talked about that a little earlier, and how it's it could be a sign that they feel that Jones is somebody they're not going to get rid of necessarily after two years. You know, like like they can. You know, so yeah, we did talk about that. Um, 
So, yeah, uh, let's see now. Uh, speaking of Daniel, Anthony Phillips asked, will Daniel Jones become a top five quarterback this season? I don't know top five. I think he's going to get top ten, yes. Yeah. High top ten, or, or uh, I, I should say, like, close to top five. Like, I could see maybe eight. seven, kind of where I think eight, he... somewhere in that neighborhood. I mean, I mean he's not going to be Mahomes. He's not going to be Allen. He's not going to be Burrow. I mean, we, we can no. – I, I, he don't have the weapons to be that. I guys. mean, are you, right. you going to put him above Rodgers? I don't know if he can put him above Rodgers. Not yet. I, I would rather have Jones and Rodgers at this point, but that's tough to – Herbert is really – I know people get on Herbert's go, oh, you never won a playoff game. No, but Herbert's a great quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is going to have a great year, Trevor too, in that AFC South. Uh, Jackson. Now, if you want to say, like, top five in the NFC, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it'll be better than Dak this but year. League wide. Mm. Well, you don't, Maddie, you know how bad I want to say. You know how bad I want to say he's even better than Jalen Hurts. I'm gonna bite my tongue on it, but I really do want to say that's so bad. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna bite my tongue. I will not. I will not. Yet. Uh, you you got to be objective. Bite your, tongue, bite your tongue on what? What? What, what are you biting your tongue I'm on? Saying that Daniel Jones is gonna be better, better than Jalen Hurts. I won't say it yet. Yet. Maybe coming in a couple weeks. I mean, he's not going to put up better stats than Jalen Hurts because of the situation Hurts is in. But I yeah. will, I, I will fight tooth and nail. I think Daniel Jones is just as good as Jalen Hurts if they it's were in Gino, situations. Uh, be better than Geno Smith, be better than Brock Purdy, better than anybody in the NFC South. You put uh, Daniel Jones on the Eagles, he's putting up numbers. Yeah, he's, I think he's, he's better than Stafford. I think he's better than Cousins. Like I, I think he's better than those guys. But yeah, I, I, I think top five is a, is a little bit. Aggressive. Yeah, I, I, I think, think not, not top to ten see. though. I, I think he's gonna be top ten. Yeah. All right. Uh LA Larosity asks, Do you see Beavers being elevated by year's end? Uh, okay, so I think you mean signed to the 53. Gotta depend on injuries. You gotta remember Beavers lost his rookie season last year. And in training camp, he looked like he was coming off of a ACL. You know, at times he looked a little slow and out there. So I don't know. Maybe if there's injuries, I could see it, but I, I'm not counting on it. Just let him, you know, get his feet back underneath. You know, the an ACL can take up to two years to really recover from. So I, I, I'm, I think they're fine with what they've got. To be honest with you, unless there there are injuries, injuries. I mean, do you guys disagree? Agree? No, I, I agree. If there's injuries, perhaps it, it'll depend on how he practices. If he gets faster, if he if he becomes impactful. Um, but yeah, I agree. Lost rookie year, which sucked. We we Chris and I are big big fans of Darian Beavers, rooted for him. But he, like Patty said, he he looked like he's not completely healed, and and that depends. That's a tough injury. Sometimes it does take guys two years. Sometimes. Not everybody's Adrian Peterson where they come off and almost break the NFL rushing record yeah. the season. Um, yeah, some yeah. guys never recover from it. So yeah. everybody's different when it comes to tendons. I, I hope that he gets back to what he was when we drafted him out of Cincinnati and becomes that lunch pail guy. Will he ever be a uh, you know a pro bowler? Oh, probably not, but I think he could be a very good depth piece for the Giants. But he's going to have to prove something because he, he really was kind of looked slow uh, in preseason. So. But injuries yeah. are a big part in who's elevated from the, the practice squad. I don't think he's going to outdo anybody. Mm, exactly. And, and now they've got Simmons. I mean, right. We, so, so you just see how it kind of plays out, I, I think. But all right, guys. So 
we're going to call it a show because I know I have to do some writing, uh, get stuff ready on Giants Country for tomorrow. Don't forget, I do have another show coming up after midnight. That one's pre-taped with Marcus Mosier of Lachlan Cowboys. And uh, that's that was an interesting discussion. So if you can tune in, that'll be running all day, uh, you know, starting at just after midnight. Friday, I'll have Coach Gene Clemens on. I know a lot of you guys love Coach Gene, so that should be fun. And guys, we'll do this again next week. Hopefully, we'll be, you know. Talking about the Giants being 1-0 and and we letting Dallas fans know that the tide has turned. And um, I swear to God, this is the 17th Wednesday of this week. And I'm already feeling it. I'm tired. Like, it's, I, you know, I noticed that you're not as pumped up as I thought you would be. No, I think I, I think I used all my energy that I had in the first hour, and I just I didn't pace myself, Patty. See, I stuck in a nap. You know, it's funny. I was I was exhausted when I came home today, and I was like, I'm just going to take a nap for a little bit. So I napped for about 20 minutes. I felt fresh as a Thought about it. I thought about it. I'm like, but I got to eat dinner. Like I was like, I got. But I did. I got home from work. I laid on the couch and the air conditioning goes, I don't have the air conditioning down here, but I have it upstairs. And I laid there and I'm like, I really could just go to sleep. I should have done that. I should have just set the alarm for like 6.30 and got up and made my dinner. I should have done that. And I didn't. And I am feeling it. could be because it's 1,000 degrees down here too. Summer finally came here in New York, anybody wondering. It's been in the 90s all week. And I'm 90, I know. 96 today it hit. Yeah. So summer 90, made it here. Wow. Yeah. yeah I, I'm like, I don't like I got out of work today. It was I felt like I was an egg on a frying pan. It was it was ridiculous. It really is, you know. And I I was running around before you know work today, and I had to go to the doctors, and it was like already like it felt like a hundred degrees this morning when I went to the doctor. So August is over. As soon as August is over, it should be seventy degrees. That's my rule. It never happens. That's my well, rule. You know, it'll be, I'm curious to see what the temperature is going to be on it's Sunday night. 70s, you know? um, well, maybe. In East Rutherford, it's a little warmer usually than it is up here, but it's supposed to be like 74 on Sunday up here. So right. it could be middle 60s, I would think, at night down there. Yeah. So. All right, folks. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to Locked on Giants Live. We'll do it again next week. Pro- you know, we'll, we'll figure out what day. I think we're going to try and avoid Thursdays so that we can watch Thursday night football. So we'll either do it on a Wednesday or a Friday. We'll figure it out and we'll let you know. Hopefully you'll tune in to the other Locked on Giants podcast episodes we have. And don't forget to check out my written work on Giants Country and check out Tana and Bad Dog, their channels. Bad Dog is, is worth the price of admission. But the, when the two of them get together, they're going to be, you guys are going to be calling the game too, I imagine. Oh, yeah, of course. So uh, check them out. And uh, we'll see you uh Next week, Giant fans on Locked On Giants Live. Have a great one, everybody. Salute.